Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I would be Glenn Clark. Griffin is here as well. Thanks to those of you who hung out with us for our Project Game Day post-game show yesterday. We do it every game day this season. Myself, Rita, our special guest, Monte Leach, joined us yesterday. We also had it was quite the all-star cast yesterday. Ken Zalis checked in. Andrew Stecka was with us. Trippy. Even our buddy Troy Johnson. Wasn't Carson there? Carson was there. Carson produces the show. We had a lot of fun, man. We had a we had a good you, you time. You had fun talking about that game. Yeah, I mean, it, given the circumstances, we had fun. Oh yeah, I guess the company. Yeah, they, it's they, about lo- the company. they lost no matter what we did. Like, <laughs> if it had just been me sitting there twiddling my thumbs, they still would have lost. So, we uh, you know, we did everything we could uh, to try to make sense of it. And if you missed any of it, you can find it right now in the uh, the greatest hits. But as always, encourage you to be tuned in after every game this season. Pressboxonline.com slash game day. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Project Game Day brought to you by HelpMyGamblingProblem.org and Superbook Sports. We will see you this coming Sunday following Ravens-Browns. Yeah, man, it is what it is. Coming up on the program today, Jay Feely was on the call for CBS yesterday. He will check in with us. Also, um, we'll talk Orioles here in a few minutes. Our buddy Steve Johnson and Jeremy Kahn, as we do every Monday. Uh, by the way, I, I don't know if it's because you guys are struggling as much as I did with which defensive players to make the list, but really struggling to get slaps to the helmet in this morning. And I, I do understand it's a. It was a weird day, but we need your slaps to the helmet. We'll get to that in a bit as well. And, and that's where all of this begins, right? My column at PressBoxOnline.com, we all watched the same game. We all saw the same thing. It's bizarro world. There was every right to be disappointed in the Ravens' performance, but we could also mitigate that by we've, we've never before seen literally every player on the inactive list in week three be a starter, an impact player. That's never happened before. So how do you measure those two things? It was slop yesterday. It was a mess. Like, I don't know how to measure those things. That doesn't excuse excuse turning the ball over. But it's the weirdest thing. Look, Lamar Jackson is going to be in all of our list of slaps of the helmet, obviously. But at the same time, if Justin Tucker makes a 61-yard field goal, Lamar Jackson is probably number one on a list of pats to the, on the ass. Well, Justin Tucker might have stolen it for making a 61-yard field goal. I take that back. Eh, he would have been number three because Kyle Hamilton would have been number yeah, guess, one. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton would have been number one. Tucker would have been number two. And Lamar would have been number three. Where's Brent Urban if, uh, you know, for, for jogging out onto the field to draw the delay a game? Oh, the way, I, I don't know how much you give him credit, but <laughs> you got to give the coaching staff credit there in that spot. Like, it's the weird thing about talking about yesterday. There is this ungodly series of unfortunate events that folds unfolds late in the fourth quarter and into overtime. And it's, it's not all even errors. Some of them are errors. Some of them are just remarkable things that the Colts did. And some of them are officiating blunders. There's Some of that is just plain bad luck. It's this cavalcade of bizarre things that occurs. 
the list that I came up with that we'll go over uh, or that it, you'll read about in my column. It it all begins obviously with the Zay Flowers thing, because again, up until that moment, the Ravens were played ugly, but we're gonna win. And we could have had a conversation about how it wasn't pretty, but but then we would have been able to get into the well, hey, you know, they were missing seven starters, and really, it's nine because we're not even including our Darius Washington and J.K. Dobbins on that list because they're on IR. And actually, it's 10, Tyus Bowser. So we would have been able to have that conversation, except for this. It all begins with the bizarro. There's something playing in the background. Is there? A, do you have a website open that's playing a clip of some sort? Mm, yes, yes. Oh, that's uh-huh. ESPN, our good friend ESPN. They love when you ever want to pull up a box score. Yeah. They love to try to feed you an ad. It's happened to me a few times on the postgame show. Thought I had the site muted. It's what it is. Yeah. No, you you do. And then after like a right. certain video finishes, they start another one. It's a it's a whole thing. So it begins. Everything changes. Game is one. Right up until Zay Flowers calls for a fair catch. Now, John Harbaugh says afterwards, well, that was a miscommunication because the clock originally showed 158. And then by the time we realized they had changed it, we weren't able to communicate to Zay Flowers that we no longer wanted him to go for a fair catch. Seems like it might have been worth calling a timeout when you recognize that the clock didn't say what you thought it did and the guy that was on the field was going to end up fair catching the football. So it's a two-parter. It's that Zay Flowers fair caught the ball. And I want to criticize. I want to be the one that says, dude, you as a football player have to be able to recognize the circumstances too. But in fairness, in talking to Vontae Leach after the game yesterday, he said, uh-uh. He didn't order the code red. He doesn't get to just decide what he's going to do in that situation. When he's told you make a fair catch, that's not on him. So I'll I'll hear that out. But it's two parts. It's the fair catch itself. It's the fact that there was an opportunity to call a timeout and say, all right, we we, we got to get our ducks in a row. And you could say, well, ultimately, you might have wanted that timeout when you got the ball back. You're not going to get the ball back needing to score if you don't give up a free timeout there. So those are the first two on the list. Then there's the Nelson Aguilar penalty that should have been wiped off by the obvious face mask that goes missed. Now, it would have given the Ravens another opportunity to convert, but more than that, it would have given them another opportunity to say, hey, let's just you know, make sure that we don't commit another penalty and run the ball so that the clock doesn't stop again. Three. Matt Gay banging another 50-yard field goal. Multiple of them. Four, in fact. I'm not going to put all four of them on the list because I think it's reasonable to assume that a kicker makes at least one 50-yard field goal. But four? Literally unprecedented. So it goes on the list. Number four. Number five, Justin T- Oh, sorry, the ungodly sack. All of the things you want to criticize Lamar Jackson over yesterday. And this is what happens when the quarterback is involved in every play. We we overanalyze because, you know, again, they touch the ball on every play. Did he throw the ball behind a couple times? Sure he did. Every, literally, Tom Brady did that. 
That's going to happen. You're going to miss throws at some point. We're somehow trying to make Sam Mustafer snap Lamar. Because we're so wanting, this is the narrative thing that we do. We want it to be that it was reckless the way they handled the football. We all saw what actually happened. On one, he loaded up the throw, realized the throw wasn't there, and brought the ball back. And in the perfect moment, it happened to be swiped out. The other one, he recovered. The Sam Mustafer snap has nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. We just want it to because it fits a narrative. The thing that you can criticize him overwhelmingly over is the sack. It can never, ever, ever happen in those circumstances. And it's the same thing that also, if you're a rookie quarterback, that can't happen. When you take that field for that final drive, you know you can't get sacked. You can't. Even if you're Lamar Jackson and you're Houdini, you have to know that you've got to get away and throw the ball out of bounds, which, of course, he knew and tried to do at the end. It was still going to be grounding because there was no receiver in the area and the ball did not get back to the line of scrimmage. But, of course, his knee was down first. Five. Then there's Justin Tucker missing any field goal at all. It's, it's insane that we would criticize him over missing a 61-yard field goal. But he's Justin Tucker. And we just don't expect it. And it's stunning when it occurs. Six. There's getting field position in overtime at essentially midfield. After the Colts turn it over on downs. At that point, all you really need is a first down. You had gorgeous field position. Seven. There's, and by the way, the gaslighting that I have dealt with between Ken Zalas and our buddy Jake Luke, this, this new reality we've attempted to create about what happened on third and three, where the bid is, well, if they're going to go for and fourth down, they should have been running the ball. But it, your thought process works in a lot of circumstances. Where it doesn't work is when the play that was called led to Isaiah Likely being hit in the effing numbers with a football where no defender could do anything about it. You know what that is? A perfect play call. Can't do better than that. And my God, the lengths that, I, the both of them, and I love both of them, the lengths, and by the way, I know it's Yom Kippur, I hope everyone's having a, a peaceful fast. The lengths that were, well, yeah, but he's only a second year guy. At what year are you suddenly expected to catch the ball that's hit you in the, like, if you're in the fourth year, you can catch it, but you're in the second year, so you can't? Well, they, they don't throw the ball to him a lot. Well, they actually did throw the ball to him a good number of times yesterday. Three or so, I think. I think it was three, yes. <laughs> what is the what? Tell me what the rules are for when a receiver is expected to catch a pass that hits him in the chest. They only threw it to him twice, actually. Did one of them get wiped off by a penalty? One of them. I could have sworn. Maybe, I could have sworn the there was a third he time. He had one. Catch. I know he had one catch, and then he had that one. But I could have sworn there was a third time where I saw his name. That could be the case. All right. I'm 
I'll, I'll keep looking. Nah, I don't, I don't care that much. I assure you I don't care that much. It is not germane to the point because the point is, unless you're trying to, again, fit a narrative, you know that any time an NFL pass catcher has a ball hit him in the chest, there should be one result. There is no excusing it. Eight. Isaiah likely drops a ball. Number nine. We have done a wacky bit where we have pretended like it was an obvious thing for the Ravens to go for it on fourth down. It sure as F was not. There were three minutes and 25 seconds still remaining in the game. And what had happened the last time they had punted and pinned the Colts down inside? Do you remember what yeah. happened then? Yeah, I believe uh, Jordan Stout pulled out his, his uh, what was it? Yeah, his the golf bag. Yeah. yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> and the Ravens got a safety, which at that point would have won the game alone. But even if you don't think it's likely to happen again, and I get it, it's a perfect set of circumstances. Because that didn't even require, I don't even remember who the return man was, insanely not catching the ball at the 10-yard line. Was it Isaiah McKenzie? Yes, I yes, think it was yeah. Isaiah McKenzie. So even if you don't think the perfect set of circumstances is going to play out, the question becomes how much are the Colts willing to chuck it around to get out of being deep in their own territory? It's insane that we're pretending like it was an obvious choice for the Ravens to go for it on fourth down when failing to convert was going to give the Colts field position when all they needed was one first down in order to win the game. But we're pretending like, well, it's either that or you lose. There wasn't a minute left in the game. There was 325 remaining, and there's still a two-minute warning in overtime, and you still had a timeout. It's bonkers how we're treating that. I mean, crazy that we're pretending like there was only one choice for the Ravens there. Do I understand it? I guess. I mean, they literally had just drawn up a perfect play one play before, and frankly, they drew up another play that worked. But the decision, number nine. And then number ten, of course, is another egregious miscall. When Zay Flowers is obviously a fear, piggy, interfered he's with. He's giving a piggyback ride. Yeah. And yet, the officials just sort of say, eh, you know, it'd be kind of cool if the Colts won. So. so we do agree that that is what the referees wanted. Right, exactly. Yes. Thank you. Nailed it. <laughs> Ten things that had to occur. It's insane. I mean, it's if any of those things goes the other way, we're either likely talking about a different result or at least there's a strong possibility of a different result. And some of those, it's directly that we're talking about it. Like if Justin Tucker gets 18 more inches on a field goal, the Ravens win. It's bizarro land because it's just the most unfathomable, wretched, ungodly loss. And it feels in the moment as, as awful as it could ever possibly feel. And then we get to the part of the post-game show where I start saying to myself, but what does it actually mean? Because part of it, and I was texting with our friend, uh, Josh Charles and I, we're going to have to do our own post-game show at some point. <laughs> Josh was in town. He went to the game. And I was texting with him, and the question was, like, did we allow ourselves to get too carried away after the Bengals thing? Is the truth that the Ravens really were, were just as mid as, you know, every other team in the NFL not named the Dolphins or the 49ers? 
And I don't think that's the case. I, I'm inclined to say that what happened yesterday is a bizarro world anomaly, which doesn't make it acceptable. And that's the difficult part about having this conversation. It's inexcusable that it occurred. But I'm inclined to say it's not an actual reflection of the Ravens versus this is the NFL, the other team tries too, and if goofy things occur, you can get weird results. Even the Kansas City Chiefs in recent years, you could go back and look at their season and say, how in the F did they lose to blank? The Colts last year. Correct. <laughs> Maybe the Colts are just one of those teams. And I, it, like, it's exactly, the Colts thing was exactly how I felt. Like, I think that at the end of the year, we're going to look back and say, Jesus Christ, how did the Ravens lose to the Colts? Not because I'm telling you the Ravens are the Chiefs. Well, I have no idea. Well, they, they, I hope. But I have no idea. Just the point being, I don't think that yesterday was the Ravens being exposed because what was exposed yesterday? The fact that they, they the still... they have 10 injuries, yeah. I mean, that was what was <laughs> exposed. And if all of them were going to be out for the season... If like today, all of a sudden John Harbaugh goes to the podium and is like, by the way, we're not we're not getting any of these Marlon guys. Humphrey or Marcus Williams back, and oh, also we're not getting Ronnie Stanley or Tyler Linderbaum back. Oh, and we're not getting Odell Beckham back. Like if he all of a sudden went to the podium and said none of these players are returning, then it's 2015. Right. Then okay, you got your answer. But you still have Lamar too, so it's like I mean, it's not as yeah, bad. Yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. what you're saying, but mm-hmm. still, like you're you can't overcome all of that. Right. You might still win some games and be competitive, but you're not overcoming all of that to winning the Super Bowl. But what was exposed? The edge rush was a non-factor, right? But like again, they did. Not only did they not have a Dafeoe, they didn't even have a David Ajabo for the better part of the game. So it was basically Griffin that was out there trying to. Well, they should have started rushing Kyle Hamilton. I guess every every play, a hundred percent every play. They were just choosing not to block him. Uh, It was a very (laughs) weird bit. I don't know what to make of it. The offensive line wasn't great. Yes, it's a bummer because a week ago it was the most heroic effort I've ever seen from an offensive line. So it's it's a bummer that they couldn't follow it up with another great performance. But again, you're going to judge an offensive line that's missing 40% of their starters. The running backs, when Gus Edwards went down, were doo-doo. But they were a bunch of guys that aren't supposed to be here. And by the way, I said this on the postgame show. For those of you that dismissed the idea of acquiring a running back, having Gus Edwards leave that game, and I get it, Justice Hill, it's like it's a it's it's a conspiracy. You're down three running backs already, but it might have reminded you that every time you try to say, "Well, running backs are just replacement level players, and you can just always go get another one," the Ravens have been doing that for three years, and not one of them has worked. Not one. They've tried it in. Eight different replacement guys. Ten, maybe, at this point. None of them have been good enough. Nothing to me was exposed yesterday that made me say, this is why I'm fearful that the Ravens, what they did in Cincinnati, might be fraudulent. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. They need to get their players back out on the field. The Browns have been the best defensive team in football to start the season. That doesn't mean I fear them. The Steelers have arguably been the second best defensive team in football to start the season. And those are your next two opponents on the road. T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett are going to make your life hell if you can't get your offensive line, if you don't have Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, or other options. 
it's a it's an awkward conversation today. Yes, that sucked. Yes, that was awful. It was as just distasteful a loss as I can remember. But at the same time, I don't think it's an accurate reflection in any way of what the Ravens are as much as it's one day, one bizarro world situation, ten bizarro world situations that all kind of conspired along with injuries and conditions and it didn't work. And it's not an excuse. It's inexcusable. But excuses and explanations are two different scenarios. I'm not excusing what happened. It can't be. But an explanation is that didn't seem like it was really a story about the Ravens. It seemed like it was a story about a group of backup players that had things go the wrong way and some critical mistakes. And, you know, holding on to the football is absolutely the top of the list. Conditions didn't help that. All right. Today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. They have another hiring event coming up on October 28th at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Chopper Road in Towson. You can complete multiple parts of the hiring process, including the agility test, the written test, and go through the entire application right there on the spot. Plus, members of the specialized units will be in attendance so you can learn more about potential career paths. And then in the afternoon, the entire community, whether you're thinking about joining the Baltimore County Police Department or not, the entire community can gather for a trunk or treat event. So if you're just looking to bring your kids out somewhere safe for them to go around and get candy... If you want to have your kids interact with the police or, you know, members of your family interact with the police to try to help bridge or pair, you know, relationships, this is a great opportunity to do it. Just just come out, have a chat, get some candy. And then if you're thinking about joining the Baltimore County Police Department, that's the place to start the process. If you want to know more, call 410-887-4584 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. It wasn't all bad news this weekend, of course. After a shaky first couple of days of the series, the Orioles bounced back nicely, and most importantly, the starting pitching came through big time over the course of the last two days for them to earn a split with the Guardians, which gets their magic number to three as they lead again by two and a half games in the AL East. Joining us now, friend of ours, former Orioles pitcher, he is Mr. Steve Johnson, and he's back with us on GCR. Steve, it's Glenn do, do you want to talk about the Ravens before we get into the Orioles, or do we just try to pretend like that didn't happen? Yeah, let's just pretend like it didn't happen. All it right. sounds like a good approach. All right, very good. I appreciate it. All right, man. Um, look, I, I gotta, I, I gotta say, what, what John Means did on Saturday night, I, I don't even know how to talk about it because I, I had said at one point that I was afraid that the Orioles might not be able to map their way to having enough pitching without John Means coming back and being John Means. But when I said that, I didn't think it was reasonable to think that John Means could come back and be John Means. It was more just a, a greater point I was trying to make. John Means coming back and being John Means after all of this and having it happen this quickly is one of the craziest revelations in a season full of insane revelations. I, I agree. I mean, I, I unfortunately didn't get to see – a lot of the game I was following. Um, 
And obviously, he just kept going. I'm like, I, I wonder if they're going to push him to see if how, how long he can go in the scheme. Um, and he kept going. So I was actually um, pretty surprised that he was able to kind of start um, almost right where he left off in a way after he kind of got, uh, you know, kind of got activated and, and got a couple outings under his belt. But um, if he's able to be, you know, the, the means that he was when he, and, you know, before he got hurt um, and he's actually in a, in a part of the season where he's kind of just starting, uh, whereas a lot of these guys are kind of ending, he can be a big boost to this, to the squad going I'm, into the playoffs. I mean, there's sure. a, there's an argument that should be, and I get it. It's going to be Kyle Bradish because, you know, he's earned it, but like, there's an argument that if he's John means he should be starting game one of a playoff series because you know, he's John means, right? Like, right. like that's the guy that you want in a situation like that. Right. Um, and I think actually it just, it depends, I guess, you know, a lot of the guys are going to get one more start and, you know, they'll just most likely try and ride the, the, the hot hand. Obviously they want to uh, lock this division up if, <clears throat> if they're able to, as long as they're able to uh, continue doing what they're doing. Um, and, you know, they'll go from there They'll get a little bit of a rest and, and then they can basically line up and they have the ability to line up whoever they want, uh, whenever they want. All right, so let's talk about that playoff rotation, Steve, because, uh, you know, not only John Means, but then Kyle Gibson turns around and delivers a huge start yesterday. And I think a lot of us had written off Kyle Gibson. I think we had centered around four other guys and said, I, I think Kyle Gibson's an odd man out. But he obviously has a lot of experience. And on the flip side, for as good as Dean Kramer was in July and August, he has really struggled in September are we at a point where this is just, you bring up the words hot hand, the hot hand appears to be Kyle Gibson, and at the moment it would be Kyle Gibson in the rotation and maybe Dean Kramer out of the rotation? Yeah, I think we talked about this uh, one of the last times I was on in that, you know, Gibson had a, a basically a month to basically prove himself in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that as a veteran, you, you know what's on the line. You can kind of you can kind of read between the lines in terms of, Hey, I got a, I'm pitching for my, my playoff spot, my, my spot on the team, um, in a way. And he's, he's pretty much done that. And he's done that all year. I think he's, he's kind of had some bad starts just like everybody, but then he'd come through and, and have a seven or, you know, go into the seventh inning, um, eat, eat up some innings and, and save that bullpen for you. And obviously getting a nice lead like he did the other day, um, early on, uh, definitely helps as a veteran. He did what he was supposed to do. So, I think having basically two veterans to, to kind of lead the charge in the playoffs, uh, one that's really fresh and another one that's pretty experienced. Um, and you have Radish and then, and maybe Kramer's a guy where, um, when, you know, if, if a guy goes out early and he's able to cover four innings for you and save the bullpen, um, and kind of one of those things, maybe, maybe keep the, keep the team in the game. Um, and, and you know, with this offense, that's that's basically all you can ask. Is it also possible that like some of this is you got to wait and see who the opponent is and figure out like if Dean Kramer has just dominated that opponent that season, whereas Kyle Gibson has struggled and maybe you decide in that moment, well, it, you know, that that means that we like like do you still consider that matchup when you decide on who the fourth starter is going to be? Sure, when you're, I think if you're talking about the the top you know top three starters, I don't think you uh, necessarily. You know, maybe top two. You don't. They, they're going to start no matter what. Uh, when you get to, into that last, you know, the, the last two of, of the rotation, you're kind of thinking maybe you do go by matchups and, mm-hmm. and who they performed well against. And and uh, but yeah, it's like I said, it's it's one of those things where I don't like having to. You know, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Um, <laughs> uh, it's they'll, they'll do their best in terms of finding what works, but 
um, yeah, I think when you look at what, what a lot of the guys have done lately, it's, it, they're, they're making it hard at the end of the day, and that's all, that's all you can really ask. I don't know, man. If you were getting the paycheck, maybe you wouldn't be all that upset about making the decision at that point. <laughs> he is Steve Johnson. He's with us here on GCR. Um, Steve, I asked this question on the flip side. As the Orioles – look, as everything that's gone on, do the Orioles have a closer going into the postseason, or are we at 100% you know, by committee, matchup-driven decisions when it comes to who comes in at what point of what game? It's been interesting uh, seeing what they've done the last couple of days. And I know that it's been tough because um, over the last 17 days or so, they haven't had an off day. Um, they've, the bullpen has been pretty exhausted, uh, I would say. And I think that might be one of the reasons why sometimes they've uh, faltered the way they have in, in certain situations, uh, just because the amount of times that they've had to pitch in a row and every game seems to be close. They don't want to blow anybody out. <laughs> it's just kind of been that way the whole season. Um, where it just doesn't matter, the the game's close at the end of the, at at the eighth and ninth innings, and um, I think that they've done a pretty good job of being able to piece it together. I think that guy is to know, but that, that you know what they did the um, in Means' game the other day is mm-hmm. that I feel like they they've picked hey we want him to get through this situation for us, and then we'll deal with the ninth when we get to the ninth, and um, that that's. It worked, and I think that they may do that in certain places, but I still think that guy is Cano. Uh, I think he's kind of proven it over the course of the year, and he's a different pitcher than Batista, but he, he's uh, he's proven himself a bit. I think, so. the, I think the frustrating part with Cano is in August he was great, and then obviously in September we know he's given up you know six earned runs and in seven innings, and he's put 11 guys on base in those seven innings, and I, I, the ERA looks awful because it looks like 7.36, but of course we know that's in a limited sample size, so it's not—it's probably not as bad as people think it is. But I, you know, it, to your point, do you just—does it work that way that you have to have one guy that you say we're living or dying with this guy? That's the way it goes. That's the nature of baseball. Is it too radical to think that you could just say, "Hey, tonight we think DL Hall would be the best guy." To your point, the other night we think CNL. Is it is it too radical a thought process to say, "Let's let's just consider the game circumstances as they present themselves"? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that that's what they're going to do. They don't necessarily have um, a set closer. I don't think. I mean, you have Batista there, and you lose him, and and um, you know, it's tough to replace that. So I think they've done they've kind of done that in terms of they've, they've given other guys a chance over the course of the last, you know, month or so. And a, a lot of guys have, have come and stepped up and been able to do it. But again, I just look at, you know, the 17 days in a row that they've, they've played against really tough competition and tough close games. And um, that's, that was hard. I think that it was hard for them. Everyone was exhausted, you know, not, not that that's an excuse. Everyone's in the same boat a lot of the time, but mm-hmm. um, I think that a lot of the guys had very, you know, you look at a guy like Cano and it, and is it that he was overpitched in a way and that he was, you know, a little tired in certain situations. The reason why he's given up some runs and maybe with a little bit more rest, he's able to get back into, um, you know, his normal form. Um, but at the end of the day, They've proven that multiple guys can get a job done too. Uh, is it as you know? I don't think that they want it that way. A lot of the time, they feel like it's easier to set it up when you have one guy. But um, it's worked so far. Let me go to the other part of it, which is, of course, the, is the answer Batista, right? Like this is the 
the crazy part is that we keep another bullpen the other day. Apparently, Ryan Mountcastle stood in for him to, 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 to take that bullpen in order to work on timing. I, I, where are you with, like, believing it's possible this is really going to happen? And, and knowing what you know about, you know, injuries, about the way that an arm works, what do you think about the concept of Felix Batista trying to push through and get through the playoffs before the surgery? I, I, there's, I don't know anything about, um, you know, how he's feeling and anything like that. So anything I say is basically just a, a guess, but yeah. I would assume that the, um, you know, there's really, I don't think there's really any difference if he were to have the surgery now or, you know, at the end of their season, you know, whenever it does end. Um, so they're probably thinking if, if there's a little bit of hope and he's feeling okay, um, we'll just kind of see. My thing is I think they would probably want to get him into a game in the next week um, if that's the case. Sure. I don't necessarily think you want his first game back with all that intensity right. to be in a playoff situation. So that would be my thing. So I think if it, if it happens, I think that they would need to probably, if he's feeling okay with it, um, maybe he's able to give you three weeks um, without it uh, flaring up again. Um, and maybe see where that see where that takes them. But my point would be they would need to, I would think, try and get him into a game here in the next week and and maybe you know see how it feels before they yeah throw him into that situation. Maybe it's one of those like the day after they clinch, they say, by the way, this is a good day to run you out there in the seventh inning and just right. just see where we're at and then go from there. And that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, Steve, just, just the idea of what, you know, it, it, like we really are on the precipice, right? The magic number is three. Have you fully wrapped your head around like what happened this season and how they were able to do all of this? And I, you know, I, it's, it's such a weird thing cause it's not a single, like there's no single explanation. The players are good. The culture is incredible. The man, but like, have you really been able to sit back and say like this, this is incredible it's, you know, all of these circumstances, it's magical what has happened in Baltimore this season. Yeah, it, it's, it's been just fun to watch. Uh, I'd, you know, I've been able to turn it on. I don't get to watch the full games all the time, but you, know, you turn it on in the eighth and ninth innings and you're tracking it throughout the day. And I just, you know, you're just amazed that they're always in it. They're never out of it. Um, they, even like the last, this last series, they go through a little rough patch where, you know, they lose three in a row and, you know, maybe two against the Cleveland team that they probably should be beating. Um, but it's baseball that any, anyone can win. Uh, I think that's sometimes tough for a lot, a lot of fans to understand sometimes when they're used to, uh, I don't know, it, it's just sometimes interesting when you lose three in a row and everyone starts to freak out. But the way this team has been able to just keep from getting into big losing uh, streaks is, is really unbelievable. They they grind and they're able to say, okay, we've lost three in a row, we've lost two in a row, and here's another winning streak. Um, and, you know, they stay in the series. That, that's, I think, my most, in, what I've been most impressed about, um, just because that's, I've been on a lot of teams and you go down that losing streak and it's just sometimes tough to get out of it. And um, they've been having either a starter step up or someone in, in their lineup step up and, and have a day and, and save themselves from kind of going into that. I think that's why they're in the position they're in. They just, they haven't gone through many losing streaks, and uh, if they're able to continue that through the playoffs, it's it's just you know it's going to be a fun season. 
There's no doubt. It's been a spectacular. All right, remind everybody what you're doing to try to make better baseball players. I uh, opened uh, Optimal Baseball Performance about four years ago, um, helping kids get better and, and, uh, and pitching and hitting and just hoping them hopefully uh, stay healthy and, and continue playing the game and having fun with it. I'm going to be in touch with you. There might be something else coming up that there might be an opportunity to have you involved with something we're doing in the postseason. So I'll be reaching out again very soon. Always appreciate you, brother. Thanks for hopping on with All us right. for a minute. Sounds good. Have a good one. That's Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher, and, of course, uh, the pride of Kingsville at Johnson 831 on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate him taking the time, as always. Was a uh, was a very pleasant weekend, and I don't the answer about the closer thing. I, I don't have it. Like I get what he's saying that you kind of you're gonna have to default to Cano. That is again, if if it's not Batista, and maybe there's a question about like you know if he could come back, is there a limit to how much you want him to push? So you don't want to use him in the night. I don't know. I get the idea of you, you're not gonna just try somebody else out in the final week of the season to become your closer for the playoffs. As much as we would say, hey, D.L. Hall's probably been their their most helpful arm of late. You're not going to try out Tyler Wells and say, hey, man, last week of the year, you want to be the closer for the playoffs? Although, in fairness, let's just say Yanir Cano were to, and I, if he were to get hurt tomorrow, you would have to have somebody else, right? Like, so... I'm gonna keep knocking. I'm just gonna keep doing it. Yeah, I don't. Why, I don't think we can do it too much. I don't, I don't think we can do it too much. I th- I'm gonna. I, my knuckles are gonna be bloodied, and I don't care. I don't think I can do it too much. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with the. Now again, to to Steve Johnson's point, you get an off day today, and as long as you lock up the division, which it looks more and more likely they're going to, then you would have time off between. The end of the season. First of all, as soon as you lock up the division, you do not have to have Yanir Cano pitch one more time. If there's a save situation on Saturday against the Red Sox, Fujinami can handle it. Like you Brian d- McKenna can handle it. A hundred percent. You don't have to have any pitcher throw a nut. You could just do nothing. The moment the division is locked up, because you will also have clinched. Although, is there still a competition for potential home field in the World Series? Piss. I haven't thought about that. Is that a thing? I thought oh, it was... son they, of a bitch. No, they don't do the All-Star, All-Star game anymore. No, you know better. They stopped doing that. Piss. I didn't even think about this. World Damn it. Series home field are three games behind the Braves right now? Team with the better regular season record. And the Braves have the tiebreaker. So, it doesn't... I mean... Yeah, they're, they're really like three and a... Uh, yeah, they're really three and a half games behind the Braves. So, unless the Braves were to get swept this week, and all of a sudden, like... You look like you're right back in it. Then the moment that you clinch the division, the moment that you clinch the division, and you know it's out of play to get, like if if you're Are the Braves playing for anything, they, I mean, I guess the Dodgers could technically catch them. They're like three and a half ahead of the Dodgers as well. Yeah, they're three and a half games ahead of the Dodgers. Look, they just have they have some work to do in order to lock it up. But as long as they don't stumble all over themselves they'll lock up the number one seed and at that point but this team's won 52 games on the road so does it really i understand what you're saying but if it's in play like if they go into the weekend and they're only a game back of the braves and they need to try to win they need to you're gonna end up you have to try to win those games braves have the cubs and nationals this week I mean, the Cubs are definitely still playing for the Cubs are in the final wild card spot aren't they yeah so the cubs need these they have three the cubs need these three so maybe there'll still be something to play for. 
All right? If there's not, I don't know what that was. I got to talk about something. I think I think my six-year-old might have pulled a prank on me. That's good. That's good. No, it's not. Well, it's it's a it's bad... Impressive. No, it's not, because it's not a fun prank. It's a... Like, if, if it was a cutesy prank, it's a... I think he put soap on my toothbrush. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah, when I say so prank, it's more like... It's just more like a... Ju- no. Like a misbehaving <laughs> type of thing. Like, I think he's just acting out. Also, I happen to know... All right, it's a whole different conversation for a different day. He was in our bathroom last night, and I couldn't help but notice that my toothbrush tasted like soap this morning. So you just ask him, right? I. It's not an ask. It's a... You have to lead the witness. You have to go to it saying, I know what you did. And then when he acknowledges it, you can't just suddenly let him off the hook and say, well, at least you acknowledge it. You got to come in heavy because that's the type of stuff that can't happen. Yeah. Like, you can't have that. I. He doesn't, yeah. he's not, he's six. He doesn't know the difference between harmless well, maybe, pranks. Maybe he and, does have a good reason, yeah. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> Name that good reason. That, you know, it was, he. Some yeah, some sort of. Frank yeah, yeah, yeah. nice, nice try, nice try. <laughs> He's trying to start. Yeah, nice try. He wants you to counter. <laughs> yeah, nice try. No, <laughs> got a real problem in my on my hands. Um. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, the Orioles thing. Yeah, I'm the bullpen. the The closer situation is the one that just leaves me the most befuddled. Like, I'm hoping at this point that, to Steve Johnson's point, if they were to clinch on say Thursday, then on Friday they could roll out Felix Batista and let him pitch in the sixth inning of a game and see how he feels, see how he looks, maybe let him pitch again on Sunday. And if he feels good in those appearances, then you say, okay, we've got a closer for the playoffs. If not, then it's going to have to be Cano, and you hope that getting a little rest will benefit him and make him look like the August version of Yanir Cano again. And if he's not, then you default right back to closer by committee. And it could be D.L. Hall, it could be Tyler Wells, depending on the matchups. It could be C.N.L. Perez, like it was the other night. But, God, it stinks to go from having the most confidence of any team in baseball about what you're doing in the ninth inning to us literally sitting here on September 25th saying, we're not sure this team has a closer. Yeah, Yeah, maybe it's Jack Flaherty. That's a good point. Rough, 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 rough. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll come back in. We'll do picks recap. Probably won't have time for pats on the ass there, but we'll get to that in the 11 a.m. hour. It's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit MarylandFiveStar.us for tickets. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 26th at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer. Today. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to Easy Pass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. Driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? Coming up this afternoon, <clears throat> Stan the Fan... It's the soap. Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson, and Dan Duquette. That is correct, Dan Duquette. Mm. Joins the guys to talk about, um, you know, his guys that are still a part of this thing. You can watch that show 
Sorry, I said this afternoon. I forgot. Of course, it's Yom Kippur, so they moved it to tomorrow. Tomorrow, 3.30. Dan Duquette joins Stan, Ross, and Luke tomorrow at 3.30. Facebook.com slash Sports. If you miss it live, you can catch it at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Let's get into picks recap for the week, go over some other things that occurred in the weekend of football, and I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be 500 for the rest of the season, which isn't good because I'm below 500, so I need to get some games back at some point. It's a bit Well, rough. I mean, you... Yeah, also, is anybody you're... actually updating the table? What do you mean? Like, after the games are played, are we doing... Yeah, is it not updated? Oh, it doesn't automatically... I have to refresh it in order gotcha, to update it. Gotcha. Okay, that's the problem that we're having here. I see now. Yes. No one had a great week, but a few people were at least over 500, so what? I didn't have a chance. Yeah, you did not. <laughs> Maybe we can just move on, I guess. No, no, we'll get to it. We have a new leader at the top of the table, is what Griffin's trying to point out. Uh, I'll Mer- come back. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, Maryland was still not... It was not pretty against Michigan State. There's no way of getting around it. Like, you keep waiting for Maryland to play, like, a really good game from start to finish, and we're four weeks in and it hasn't happened. Now they're 4-0. They hadn't won at Michigan State in, like, 100 years or something like that. I, Those things are all true, and they covered. Good news for me. But it got hairy there for a minute in the second half where they were letting Michigan State hang around, and they were just – punting and going three and out in the third quarter and you're like what is going on thankfully all's good they won 31 to 9 but it would be really nice if like say they were to hammer indiana on saturday so you felt like there was at least some sort of chance going into the ohio state game maryland wins 31 to 9 and everybody was on maryland except for john proctor and ryan shell who apparently don't get the newspaper i'm not <laughs> not sure what that choice was uh the Colorado thing is over, man. Well, over. Look, I'm not saying there won't still be interest in Saturday because they're playing USC. There will be, but also they're in a bizarro world. They're playing that game at noon because the yeah. world be yeah. It's After it's a 10, 10. a 10 a.m. kickoff, 10 a.m. local kickoff, 9 a.m. for USC. But that you know whatever. 10 a.m. local kickoff. For Colorado and USC on Saturday, it's like the soccer team play afterwards, and like what? yeah, they want to make sure they get them. In the, I don't think they play in the big stadium. <laughs> Forty-two to six, Oregon pounds Colorado in a game that frankly wasn't that close. It was a bludgeoning. Yeah, and I said we were all dopes. They were they were begging us to pick Colorado, and like dopes and like sheep, we all lined right up to do it, except for and I'm picking them again next week. Okay. So. Just continue to ride the train. I will. Except for John Proctor. It's the lowest are going to be. Sure. That's what Dion said. Yeah. Except for John Proctor. By the way, everybody trying to make something out of uh, Dan Lanning's pregame speech. Get over it. Look, I'm not saying there hasn't been plenty of racist, coded (laughs) stuff that's been said about Deion Sanders. There's no question that's the case. But trying to make Dan Lanning's pregame speech something that, that it most certainly was not, get over it. And the, well, that's rich coming from the school that has uniforms. Dude, that's not Dan Lanning's problem. He's just trying to get his team ready to go win a game. That's it. That's all he's thinking about, and he did it quite successfully. Stop. A lot of big brain stuff going on related to this. Oregon won. They got the job done. They pounded Colorado, and they look really good. Like, let's, let's be frank about that. Oregon looks like a legitimate threat this year. In a year where it's not obvious... Who's going to win the national championship? Yeah, this is the year that they needed. 
the 12 uh. team playoff or at least an 18 playoff or something. No, we'll see. I mean, yeah. like let, I let's let's early. revisit it's, that in December and see how we feel about it. There's a lot of it looks like there's a lot of good teams. It looks like there's a, a lot, lot of, of good, lot of good teams, teams without there being obvious separated teams, right? Like Georgia might still prove to right. be that. Yeah, they haven't played anyone, but. right? But like at, at the moment, we don't feel that way about Georgia. So without there being obvious separated teams, it uh, your point stands. Um, yeah, John Proctor, Casey, and Andrew Stecka were on Oregon. The Ohio State Notre Dame thing is a push. Real stun, just stunned. I tell you that Notre Dame came up short in a big game. Stunned, stunned. No way to see that happening. All they got to do is stop, what was it, fourth and seven on the final? No, no way to see that they would fold. They would run ten guys on the field on each of the final two plays of the game. No way to see that Notre Dame was going to come up small in a game that mattered. Because they almost never do that. But it was a three-point game, and so we all go. Now, there is a little bit of controversy there because the the question that a lot of people have asked is, would would Ohio State have been smarter to just take a knee right. instead of kicking the extra point with one second left? Well, yes. Well, for you, 100% they yeah. would have because you would have gotten the cover. I don't know that there's When I actually bet it, I did get the hook, which was nice. Well, then you go. Yeah, there you, so. so you're good, right? Um, I don't know what the answer to that is because I get the thought process. Well, then you know the extra point can't be blocked and returned for two if you go for a knee. Also, you're assuming that there's no way that um, – Anything happens on the kickoff that could lead to the second not coming off the clock. But there have been goofy things that have occurred. And if I, I, I don't know what the book says in that moment. I would probably lean towards taking the knee on the extra point. But if, for example, you go to try to squib the, the, uh, the ensuing kickoff and it squibs out of bounds at the 45... And then, well... I get it. It's insane to think that Notre Dame's got a kicker that's got a 63-yard, you know, like, kick in them. That's nuts. But if you were to F up the squib kick somehow, you'd still want to be up by three and make sure that nothing could go wrong that would, like, lead you to losing the game in regulation. I, I understand. It's extraordinarily unlikely, but it's all extraordinarily unlikely. So I don't think there's an obvious choice there. I would probably go 51-49 taking the knee in that spot, but I don't think it's obvious that like they were trying to cover because, to your point, in most it's places not, yeah, it was... It's not, a, it's in, not Sean McVay. Yes, in most places it was three and a half anyway, right? Like mm-hmm. It's most places that wasn't even a cover. But we, of course, got our numbers from Superbook, and if you go to Superbook.com or download the Superbook app, you can use the code GlennClark23 in order to take advantage of up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Again, Glenn Clark 23, GLENNCLARK23. Tonight, Buccaneers, five point dogs at home, despite being 2 0. And the uh, Bengals are two and a half point favorites, despite the fact that we're pretty sure Joe Burrow's not playing, correct? I don't know if it's pretty sure, but no, yeah, that's, it's been. That's changed. I mean, it, it's still just I a game like, time decision, right, like where it's, right. it seems like, it sounds like it's somehow truly 50 50. All right. Well, those are the scenarios going into the night. Uh, five and five points that the Eagles are giving, two and a half points the Bengals are giving. If you want to bet those, at Superbook.com. All right. To the NFL slate yesterday. Uh, that was a push. It doesn't matter to anybody. Um, for the, it was a good day for Ryan Shell to be a lone wolf. He was the only one on Cleveland, and they he won comfortably. I mean, that comfortably. Was, I, did Tennessee's offense? Did they even travel? I, I, Derrick Henry sure as hell didn't. Did nothing. And as I said. 
the Browns, I don't remember what the statistic is, but one of the, the analytics po- folks on Twitter posted the Browns defense has had the three best individual game performances oh, yeah, yeah, of any defense in the NFL this season in their three games. Old Baltimore's own Jim Schwartz getting the job done. But look at the three offenses they play. I hear you. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's all relevant, right? Like, all of it is. But the Browns were dominant yesterday, and Ryan Shell was the only one on them. A uh, few people took swings at the, the Falcons, both Griffin and Andrew Stetka, and I didn't get it. Like, that one seemed to me to be— I didn't know Desmond Ritter was going to drop back 50 times. That, like, well, okay. I mean, sure. If I I'd known that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Lions win 20-6, to and what was not exactly a thrilling game. Sam Laporta's a thing. Remember when everybody was saying, that's the guy, if you don't get a, a tight end early, that's the guy you draft? Looks like a thing. Sam Laporta's playing well. Problem is I keep winning, so I can't, I don't get, I don't have the high waiver claim. All right, in order to go. Yeah. I th- was he not drafted? Uh, was he? Maybe he I was. Know. I don't know. I, I started Zach Ertz this week, and rough. Two points. Rough. Uh, like dopes, a lot of us bought into Washington. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. God, that was about as bad as it gets. Uh, I guess we're like we can we can erase the taste of what happened to the Bills in Week One. Like that's over now. And, yeah. Like they're okay again. Bills wins thirty-seven to three in another game that wasn't even as close as the final score suggests it was. That was a blood. It wasn't quite Miami Denver, <laughs> but it was just about Miami because the defense was actually even more suffocating for Buffalo against Washington yesterday. It was a mess. Bloom is off the Sam Howell Rose as well. Oof. Uh, Chargers-Vikings was a thriller. That would have been a good game to have in a yeah. national TV window. It was it was very exciting, and it came right down to the end of the game. Brandon Staley was trying not to – he was trying not right. to – he was trying to get fired before the game ended. Goes for it on fourth from his, his own 24. Ah, man. The only argument man. I can make is – and in that spot, and I mean this, if you're going to give up a score, you met, you'd rather have it happen quickly. quickly so that yeah. you can get the ball back with one more chance. I, I know it's, it's still – we are right to criticize him – but the thought process that's going through your mind of, dude, if we're going to give up a score, I'd rather it only take 30 seconds than take all the rest of the time off the clock. And to the point, let's say that uh, Hawkinson catches the final touchdown. There's still, what, 40 seconds left at that point mm-hmm. for the Chargers to try to do something about it. I get it. I, Brandon Staley has screwed up so many things that he never gets the benefit of the doubt, and that was reckless. But I actually think I might understand the thought process. Ultimately, they get the pick at the end of the game and hold on for a win in what was a really good football game between two 0-2 teams. Chargers win 28-24. It was a pick so myself, uh, Kyle Ottenheimer, and John Proctor got that point. I think this was our first lone wolf loss of the season. If I remember correctly, um, there's been a couple. There have been. Uh, All right. Hold on, let me All check right. the. Yeah, uh, John and Lamar no, actually been Nebraska a okay. yeah, against oh. Colorado. And then, oh yeah, that week, the first week where we had a lone Legit- wolf. Okay. All three went zero and three. Well, uh, they had been like three straight wins for lone wolves until John Proctor was the lone wolf on Vegas, and uh, that was a mistake because Josh McDaniels doesn't know how many possessions it takes. Did you see that after the game? Yeah, I mean. So if you weren't watching last night, they're down eight, and twice on the final drive, they they settle for a field goal. The first one, they get the benefit of a personal foul on a leverage penalty that was kind of ticky tack, but I do like by the letter of the law that was a penalty. We can debate the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick thing till the cows come home. All you got to do is lower your head. That's what you're supposed to do in a form tackle is lower your head. But a defensive back doesn't like form tackles. Not the types of things that defensive tackles. Backs like to do, and when you don't go with a form tackle, you leave yourself exposed to 
was the first contact at the shoulder or above. And it, it was, yeah. It, I get it. We don't want that to be a penalty. Like, we, we liked it because it was the Steelers. But in football, we don't really want that to be a penalty. At the same time, that's kind of on you, dude. You, you didn't bother to form tackle the guy because you're a defensive back, and defensive backs have a history of not liking to form tackle. You form tackle the guy, there's no problem here. You leave yourself at no risk of any sort of penalty in that situation. But ultimately, just I, the bat-ass insanity of being fourth and four from the seven-yard line and kicking a field goal with just over two minutes remaining. If that was going to be the case, then you should have just kept the field goal and declined the penalty and gone from there and had four closer minutes. to four minutes remaining yeah. at that point. But the insanity of it is that after the game, Josh McDaniels was asked about the decision, and apparently, according to Paul Gutierrez of ESPN, who covers the Raiders, said, quote, we needed multiple possessions, they were unquote. Gonna, he was like, we needed three field goals. You sure as F didn't. <laughs> and by the way, if there's no, like, if he didn't give a, a longer form explanation, if we're missing something, fine. But if that's what he said, then I, I'm not the guy that says coaches need to. I, he needs to be fired immediately. I saw somebody tweet, the scoreboard in the stadium had to be wrong. Right? But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, if he thought they were down by nine somehow, then yeah. If that's legitimately what his explanation was, he can't be an NFL coach. I, and I mean that. Like, you can't, eat, for whatever reason, just because you did the math incorrectly and because you don't understand that the I, – I, if that was really what he said, you, dude, you got to – you get your walking papers today. You got to come up with – you better – you got to lie and say something better than that. Say, I really like the way our defense was playing. Say, look, you guys know Kenny Pickett stinks. We thought we were going to get the ball back. Say whatever you want to say. But you say this, you're unemployed. Man, that would have been great. We know who the offensive coordinator is. <laughs> right, it's Matt Canada on the other side. By the way, Kenny Pickett definitely looked better last night than he had looked, you know, in the, the games yeah. before that. But I'm still, like, it just, I'm not. Ken Zalazol on our on post game yesterday, like, the Steelers are actually really good. I'm like, no, they're not. Their defense, defense is, very good. is very good. Offensively, they are not. And, yes, I get it. It's easy to blame Matt Canada, but he now has more power. With the Steelers' <laughs> offense, which is bizarro world, and then uh, the of course the Ravens Colts disaster, the uh, Andrew Stecker, Ryan Shell, and uh, uh, Ken Zalas were all on the Colts, so they all get that point. Uh, best weeks were all five and three. They belong to Andrew Stecker. They belong to John uh, Ken Zalas. Sorry, they belong to Kyle Ottenheimer. All three of them were five and three. I went four and four. So did Nick Kelly and Ryan Shell. Paul Valley also went four and four. Three and five weeks for ooh, John and Little Rock and John Proctor. The Johns working in concert together. And then the rough, the, the roughest week of the week. No side bet, though, so nothing to worry about. That's the good news for our friend Griffin Bass, who went two and six for the week. So now we take a look at the table. Ken Zalas back atop the table at 20 and 15. Andrew Steck a game back at 19 and 16. Griffin now two games back along with Nick Kelly and Kyle Ottenheimer. Four games back, you find myself and Ryan Chell. John Little Rock five games back and a tie at the bottom of the table for John Proctor and Paul Valley, who are both 14 and 21, six games back, but only one game behind 
in the race for the bottom. Of course, at the top of the table, playing for a little bit of cash. At the bottom of the table. You said everybody's paid, right? I don't know if John Proctor ever paid. I got to double check. with. I'll see him tonight, so I'll make okay. sure. I got it. It's a funny thing you bring up. Well, he was away. He was in Mexico okay, or whatever. Yeah, I'll so give him a bit of a doubt. I'll see. I'll, I'll see him. He gets till tonight. No, I said the end of oh, the end of week. Yeah, the three. end of week three. Right. Okay. That's what I said. Correct. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Did I say Monday afternoon? If I May, said Monday yeah. afternoon, the rules are rules. I right, uh, whatever. I'll yeah. de- I'm seeing him tonight, so I'll deal with it tonight. Uh, anyway, we're playing <laughs> trivia tonight, of course. So, so that's what it is. Loser has the big punishment at the end of the year, where they got to come in here, eat tripe blood sausage and haggis dress as the Notre Dame mascot consume an Irish coffee served Will Levis style with mayonnaise take Irish dance lessons perform said Irish dance for us and also sing both nothing compares to you and zombie it's going to be a great day for as long as it's not me that's what we're doing for the loser of our contest it would be a great day if it is you yeah yeah well for you it would be it'd be a great day for me if it was you but as long as it's not me, I don't care who it is. I'm going to. It's going to be a celebration that morning. Joining us now as we move into hour number two here on GCR, the man that I like to call Ambassador Khan. He is our friend Jeremy Khan from the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Well, tell Proctor sorry I have to send some pesos and get caught up here. What's right? going on? It is, you know, I'm giving him excuses, and there's no excuses for this. Yeah. Like, my and, God. And I'm, I'm here to say that I think if I got in this, contest that i could catch one of those guys in last place uh do you do you want to give it a shot start now well i well see i'd be starting out way behind I, be, I'm, like, the only I'm, thing i'm, I'm concerned about is drinking will levison's coffee right correct it's a little bit <laughs> I'll eat the rest so, of that crap. So you, i'll dance i'll sing be, okay so you understand you'd have to go take an irish dance lesson right like I don't you have time for that <laughs> well i mean it's one you don't have to take 10 we can send someone over to the studio if you want we can send someone over Man, to your I other still don't know if i have time for that <laughs> You know, it, I just realized we there was a girl that I worked with when I worked when I originally worked at CBS back in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. There was a girl that we worked with that was an Irish dancer, and now I got to remember what her name was and see if I can track her down because she could help us. And Casey was her name. Remind me of that Griffin. Write it down so I remember to track that down at some okay. point. There's a girl named Casey that might be able to help us with this Irish dancing thing. I believe her name was Casey, Casey O'Callaghan. By the way, I'm pretty sure it was Casey O'Connor. I'm pretty sure oh, it was an O. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, all right, so I think this would be great. I think this would be a tremendous bit if you're really willing to do it that we let you back in, right? And by the way, I would even go the uh, the other way too. You don't have to pay, but if you can overtake the winner, you could also still win the money. Oh well, so all right, so tell me what what are the what are the guys in last place? What's their record? They're fourteen and twenty one at this point. <laughs> And you pick so, how many games each week? We pick three college and six NFL games each week until the end of the season. Then we pick nine NFL games. Like, we pick through the Super Bowl. But the nine games top per week. I'm in. I love this so much. I I'm love in. this. All right. So, Jeremy Kahn is being dealt into the table. And you're starting. Like, hang on, because we've got to figure out how this math works. So, are, we, are you starting out 0-35? Is that what we're doing here? So hold on. Well, this is what I got to figure. Do I have to catch them in wins and or total wins, or is it? I'd be, because, a, I'd be okay with saying I was total, doing total wins. I'd be okay with saying total wins. Yeah, yeah total because so the losers are at fourteen right now. Yeah, so so there's no total wins. There's no loss for anybody else. Like the, nobody's nobody's hurt by this. Jeremy's the only person that's hurt by it because it helps well, Paul and John. 
Yeah, it's a great <laughs> opportunity for Paul and John. I so he's let everybody know. Jeremy, okay. Jeremy's in. Jeremy's in. We're dealing Jeremy in moving forward. I love this. I love this. How was? Uh, by the way, how was your week? Because if I remember correctly, your week the previous week, your biggest. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was the rough one. Because I remember talking to you about your picks on Saturday night, and I was like, God, yeah, I, by I my hope, birthday where. Yeah, yeah, I hope Jeremy's wrong because I definitely bet money on the other scenarios. <laughs> yeah. So. So actually, the, the, um, it was weird. So like on my birthday, I gave out three free plays and two of my college plays missed. Um, and I went six and two in college plays that I gave out on my website. So like they were the only two games I missed in college last Saturday. So it wasn't as bad. Right. Um, Sunday, I missed my two favorite plays, yeah, which was th- those, Cincinnati and New yes, England. Those are the ones because I had definitely yeah. bet American dollars on both Baltimore and Miami. And I was like, oh, God, I remember going to bed yeah. Saturday night like, what a terrible mistake I made. Well, look, you know, it's, it's funny, too, like, the, just looking back at those games, and I can't make an argument. Like, they had shots both teams did. I think the um, – uh, what was the penalty that was called when the, the Bengals apparently had that turnover that eventually oh, gave the yeah, Ravens the first down? Yeah. I think that could have changed the game. But, again, I'm not, I'm not going to die on that hill. Um, but that being said, this week I had the Browns, so I didn't have to sweat it as much. Uh, as my lock so that hit uh, I went three and two in my top plays I killed the board in college football outside of Clemson just uh, breaking my heart in the 12 o'clock game um, but yeah it was overall it was a really good weekend all right so what are we allowed to like I jokingly called you ambassador con but we're still not allowed to talk about that right so, yeah I can't talk about that until January 1st all right so what um, it is, is I mean it's, I can talk about my website all it, I want it, now, hang on so. it's a, it, what it is is it's a sexual thing when Jeremy's in bed he prefers that you refer to him as ambassador con and so that's the only way I'll do it. That's that's the way that it works now moving forward. Like I actually have to call myself ambassador when I have sex with myself. It's, it's just weird. I don't know why I make strange. myself do that. Look, man, we don't yeah. kink shame around here. I want to make that abundantly clear. If there's one thing yeah. we don't do, it's that we kink don't shame. kink shame. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll talk about the website. We'll do all that in a second. But let's get through yesterday. I, I don't know how you guys talked about it this morning. I've I've really struggled between doing post game yesterday, writing a column about it, and today. What I have come to the conclusion of is as inexcusable as it was for the Ravens to lose that game, I think it was more bizarre than it was a story about who the Ravens are. Like, I I think that was more bunch of insane circumstances that lead to a result, but I don't think it really taught us much about the Ravens or other than the fact that we knew they were insanely depleted and that was always going to end up biting them in the ass at some point. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a couple of things. Like, I, we, we had people calling in and they're placing blame everywhere. And I'm like, you're all right. Like, everyone is uh, 100% correct. Like, Lamar didn't play well. They, you know, too many turnovers from the offense. And um, you could sit here and talk about the refs if they make the right call. I mean, any one of those times, you're, you're probably winning the game. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, they all deserve blame. And, and the one that I, I just can't get past. And I even go back to the playoff game with, with Harbaugh. Like, just call the goddamn timeout yeah, to make sure and then tell Zay him Jones. you don't want him to fair catch it. Like, it's, it's that simple. And you got, you got coaches that are getting paid so much money that do the dumbest things all the time. Like, and, like if you listen to Josh McDaniel and his post-game press conference of why he decided to kick a field goal, it's the du- he sounds we just like a bumbling idiot. Like, yeah. he's never done it before. I'm telling you, you, couldn't, you could not be employed by my team at that point. Yeah. Like, you, that, I don't, I'm not the guy that just fires coaches for the fun of firing coaches. You'd be fired. You'd be yeah. fired over that. And, and, and you know, like, my, again, I'm not sitting here trying to take one out of heart. Like, I think Harbaugh's a better coach than people give him credit for. I've just seen too many of these times where I'm like, 
it's so simple. And he's, and he's very forward thinking too. This is one of these matters that just really pissed me off. And, and I'll say this, if he's not taking blame for it, because one of two things happened there, they added some time onto the two minute warning. So either he wasn't told specifically, had no idea what was going on, which I'd rather hear that, or they knew and just didn't call the timeout because they didn't want to. Because like, oh, oh well, he'll, he'll fair catch it and we'll still close it out and it won't be a big deal. But like, to me, that's the biggest play in the game and it's the one thing you have control over. You don't have control over the officials. You know, they're going to call what they're going to call. Um, you don't even have control over your quarterback because once the ball's in his hand, he's ultimately going to make that decision of what to do. You have control over what you want your guy to do and the fact of the matter is you told him to go out there and fair catch it on a free kick. That's fact. That's fact. All those things occurred. And again, I, I am I am willing everything that you just said is exactly how I feel. It's an mm-hmm. awkward situation and there's a clock but at the end of it, you call a timeout, you fix it. You you don't just say, "Eh, we'll figure it out. All will be good." That's the difference in the game being over. I mean, over. And and can I tell you another gripe? Because I, like, I always argued about this with people. Like, If you go back to the Marshawn Lynch thing in the Super Bowl, people were mad that they threw the ball. The fact of the matter is they were going to have to throw the ball in one of those downs, and I'd rather throw it on a down where you're not expecting me to throw it than to throw it on. You know, like maybe they punch it in with Marshawn Lynch on second and we never talk about it. Maybe they punch it in on third. The fact of the matter is if it didn't work out on either one of those downs, you were going to have to hurry up and throw it on one of them because of the timeout situation. When the Ravens came in and you knew they had their two timeouts, or they had the one timeout and the two-minute warning, why are you not throwing the ball on first down, right? Oh, because they stop at the two-minute warning. Yeah, right. Or, or if, you, if you run it on first, why are you not calling a, a pass play on second because you're going to make them use their timeout one way or another? You know, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing something different to try to win the game once I've messed up instead of going, oh, ho-hum, we'll just run it three right, times and see what happens, or run it twice and then throw it on third which they fully expect you to do. Yep, so, 100%. I don't know. I just For a guy that I think is very forward-thinking, I, I don't think he thought it out. Um, I think it all kind of hit him a ton of bricks. I, like, you know, and there's things that I think are unfair as far as criticism goes. Like I think I, I, it's a bizarro world. K- KZ was doing this with me yesterday. Our buddy Jake Luke was doing it. This thing where we're trying to make it seem like it was, it was disgraceful if they were going to go for it on fourth down in overtime to have not run the ball on third down. They called a play that had Isaiah likely get hit in the chest with a pass. Yeah. He was hit in the chest. I, I get it. We always want to live in the world where if you just call something different, it works, and it's mm-hmm. always the fault. And we don't want to do the part where we just say, hey, sometimes it's the player's fault. I like Isaiah likely. I think he's a talented kid. I, I There's no – what he's only in his second season. So, like, no, no, no. If you're a player in the NFL, if you are in this league – and a football hits you in the chest where no defender is around to do anything about the ball, where it's all it is is do you catch it or not, that is entirely on your shoulders, 1,000%. Yeah. There's no you so, could have called a different play. There's none of it. That's on you. It's execution, yeah. And, and like I, So I went back and watched Isaiah Likely's play a couple times because, honestly, I'll be the first one to come to defend receivers when, when people are like, oh, he should have caught that, he should have had that. And I really wanted to give him a pass because he was down on one knee. Like, where was the ball placement? How did he use his hands? Fact of the matter is, I think he was just bracing for contact and dropped the ball. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of take your eyes off it for a second because you feel that presence. But it's a drop. Make no mistake about it. It's absolutely 100% a drop. You know, I argued years ago that pass to Steve Smith in the end zone when a defender jumps up, takes his vision away for a second, and then he tries to, you know, redirect and catch it. 
Like I argued with Wyman. He's like, oh, he's got to catch that. I said, I understand you're saying he's got to catch it. He will tell you he has to catch it. It's unbelievably difficult when your vision gets taken away at the last 100%. second. Like these guys, right. you know, it, we see so many crazy things, but that's this, one that's not on Lamar. That's unlikely. And yeah. I agree with you. That's an execution thing. It's not a, it's, it's not a bad play call. It should have worked. 100%. That absolutely should have worked. I also think there's room to debate the, whether they should have gone for it on fourth down afterwards. Like, I think that we're all yeah. pretending like it was an obvious thing. Like, hey, you got to. I, I was the only one on my table that said punt. Yeah. I would have punted. There's 3.25 left, and there's still there is a two-minute warning in overtime. Like, there's And you have two timeouts. Correct. Like, I, I, I'm the bizarro world in which we're talking about how it was obvious you were going to go for it on fourth down. And to their defense, I, I don't know that a decision was made to go for it on fourth down until after the third down play. I don't think they were thinking ahead on that way. I don't think it was a, we need to have two plays prepared. That's what you do when you're in the fourth quarter and you're down by three points and you're moving the ball and you know that you're going to have to go for it on fourth down because you've got to score or the game's over. You're not thinking that way at that point. All of a sudden they made the decision and they can, they'll live or die with their decision. Again, that should have been a conversion because it was an obvious uh, pass interference on Zay Flowers. But I I don't think it was nearly as obvious as everyone's making it out to be that you should have gone for. Yeah. I, look, I think that play should have been called. People that are talking about the face mask that absolutely yeah. should have been called. But again, that would have just restarted third down because we Correct. didn't see the other play where they threw the actual flag on it. Yep. Um, the the other part of this too is like, you know, as we look at what's going on, I had somebody ask me like, why would you punt it there? And I said, because I want to pin them back Correct. and make them drive the length of the field. I have two timeouts. I have the two minute warning. And they said, you'd rather play for a tie? And I'm like, no. a tie is a half a win. Well, I like, agree, Stop thinking not, about it as a tie. But I'm not playing for a tie at that point. I'm playing for no, the last time we pinned it, you back, we got a safety. And even if that doesn't happen again, I'm going to think that I'm going to get the ball back with good field position. I, I don't think that you're going to be able to open up your offense the way that you want to. And the argument would be, well, they just threw a bomb to Michael Pittman a, a, a couple of drives earlier, which is fine. But I don't think you're going to be inclined to open up your offense that way when you're inside your own 10-yard line. Like, I think that you put yourself in a good position to get the ball back with two minutes left and have a chance to win the game. What a weird game. Just so what bizarre, a weird – I mean, so there were a lot bizarre. of them yesterday. Uh, you know, and, and gambling's fun, too, because uh, the Miami Dolphins won 70-20, to 20, so that means Denver lost by 50. They go on the road to face Chicago, and now somehow Denver's favored over Chicago. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun league well, sometimes. I mean, Chicago's – what a – my, the dumbest. I've had a lot of bad takes in my life, Jeremy. Like I've, you know, when when you do this, it's we kill people over bad takes. My, the number of times we've been, ter- I was laughing with you about the picks that you made last weekend that were wrong, right? Like we're all gonna have yeah. this happen. I I picked the Bears to be a playoff team this year. Well, it might be. There's still time. Yeah, there's still there's fourteen still weeks. Time. This is going to go down as the worst take I've ever had in my entire life. They are. Dude, people are going up to DJ Moore saying, man, what are they doing with you? Why aren't they using you? And he's Yo. like, I know, bro. I mean, but what is he supposed to say? <laughs> so bizarre. And everybody's like, well, Justin Fields ran all over the place last year. You just got to let him run. They're telling you, like, yeah, you can play and you can be okay with that, but that's not a style that's conducive to winning. You're going to have to be able to throw in this league I, consistently. I, I, but yeah. the, the crazy part to me was that, like, Justin Fields in college could throw the ball. Like, I, it was <laughs> – this is the part that I can't figure out. We a year ago all figured out like Justin Fields can't throw. I'm like, well, what are we talking about? The same guy? Look at his numbers in college. He could throw the ball. He didn't have issues. It was, no, not like this, man. Oh no, man, it's so weird. It's so weird. All right, um, I'll pose this one to you. Who's the Orioles' closer at this point? The guy that pitches the last inning. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I, I mean, I, I honestly, I would rather see them just settle on a guy. Like, and it's, there are a lot of people who say I like closer by committee, but I don't know. I just feel like some of these guys would rather know when they're getting into the game. Typically, you know, like it. I, I don't know why I like the process of knowing that's my seventh, eighth, ninth inning guy, especially going into the postseason, where you feel like if you have those three allotted. Then you figure out the rest. Maybe you say, I need my starting pitcher to give me five or six. Then I find that other person for another inning to get through it. And then you feel like you kind of have the model of what you need moving forward. This is going to be so weird. we got a team that's going to win the division, um, that's most likely going to win 100 games. And then on top of it, when we get in the postseason, we're going to do something totally different than we've done all season unless Felix Batista can pitch. So, it's I, weird. It's it is weird, but at this point, like, do you do you have confidence in, in Cano being the guy for the postseason? Oh no, no. Yeah. Like, I, I love Cano, and I look. He what was it? What was the number they gave? Maybe it was on Friday night that like his last fifty-two batters he's faced, he's only struck out two of them. Like, he's not getting it by anyone. Everyone's hitting him. Yikes. So, it's it's just it's it's not a you know it's not a good look. It's not where we were, and it's it's kind of weird. Like we were like, oh, we got Minnesota, and then you see Cano now. It's like. Oh no, he stinks again. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Two things I gotta run by you before first, uh, I need to know there's a report this morning that original showrunner Greg Daniels is in and a reboot of the office is happening. Yay or nay? Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Like I love that show. Uh I would probably give it a chance to rewatch it. I Honestly, I haven't even really gotten into any of these reboots. Like, I didn't watch uh, the new Fresh Prince, which I understand is different. I didn't watch Wonder Years, and it has nothing to do with some of the changes they made, if you will. It's just, I don't know. I just don't have interest in the reboots. Um, so I, I, this th- one it, I probably will, though, just because of how much. I didn't watch The Office until, like, 2015, and I think I've seen the entire series uh, at least 50 times over. I think so. the interesting part to me, and we don't seem to have the answer yet, is is it a reboot with like a new cast and a new story or is it just like picking back up and somehow everybody ended up back together at Dunder Mifflin, you know, seven years down the line and it's the exact same cast. It's everybody involved. Because I couldn't see the exact, like too many of those guys have gone on to bigger things. How many, Um, how many do you think wouldn't do it though? Right? Like Steve Carell probably wouldn't. Although at this point, like, I don't know that he's really a movie star anymore. He's got the yeah. the morning. Is he still on the morning show? I don't watch the morning. Yeah, show. he's doing that. He's still doing that. But I would think that they'd be able to do both things. Like I think that they'd be able to film both. Maybe Steve Carell could come back because I, you know, obviously that was the problem at the end. Ed Helms was a movie star for a minute, but is he still a movie star at this point? Like, no, I guess the only one I would be thinking about Jim is he coming back? Yeah, he's um, legitimately a movie star, sure. Um, and uh, who else would? I mean, I guess he's. Yeah, because Pam went off and did a couple of movies afterwards. Yeah, like everybody and, had their everybody had their moments, but I feel like for the most part, they're they're none of them are at the prime of their stardom. So I feel like the opportunity would be there to try to get everybody back together. Because for example, I'll tell you, like I was never a, a big, I, you know, our friend Drew Forster is like obsessed with Will and Grace. I was never a huge Will and Grace fan, but I liked it. I I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. And I will tell you that then when they rebooted it, it was just as good as it was the original time. Like, okay. It was, it was exactly as good of a show. Now, that's a it's lower... It's weird. Like, I watch a lot of movies that get reboots, but I don't watch a lot of TV shows that do. And I don't blame you for that. I, normally, when something like this comes up, my initial thought is no. Like, just no. Leave it alone. It's good. There's nothing else that needs to happen here. You've told all the story that you need to tell. Weirdly, I almost feel like because the stars of the office have just been pigeonholed into being their office characters, they've like Brian Baumgartner has continued to be Kevin 
everywhere he goes in his life. He's Rain Wilson is begging to do anything else, desperate, but has to just be Dwight everywhere he. Like I feel like they've kind of continued to be their characters moving forward anyway. So mm. I don't know. I I don't know that it's all that crazy to think they could just come back and do it again, and 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 it's just as good, and there's stories to be told. I think. What if they rebooted and it was the English version, huh? Now that yeah. would be very very. I dude, can I tell you that I tried. Like, after The I Office ended, I tried. I was like, I'm going to go watch the Ricky Gervais version. And, and I got, like, three episodes in and just said, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. It doesn't work for me. I, yeah, it didn't work for me either, and I, I'd like to give it another shot. I love Ricky Gervais. Like, his show Afterlife, we've talked about it. Oh, I thought yeah, it was just amazing. He got me to watch it. Um, I was blown away. He's had a couple other ones. Like, I just love watching him anytime he's doing awards, whatever. They they ask him, and they totally screw up and bring him in, and he just roasts everyone. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, I just think I didn't, I was the same way. I watched the, the office, uh, the English version and, um, I feel weird saying that the one from England, but, uh, and it just didn't sit well. You didn't see the clip that was trending this weekend from the British comedian, Jimmy Carr. Did you? Um, I may have, you'd have to remind me. The the quote was, I put my American audience to the test with a selection of my darkest jokes. And it was painfully unfunny. And it was just him finding an excuse to reference nine 11 in a joke. And oh, is that what it was? He was getting yeah. murdered over it. If you haven't seen it, you you should watch it. Well, now it, I'm going to watch it because I do like him. He can be very dark, and I like dark humor. I have no doubt that's uh, true, but it ain't it ain't this. This was yeah. not that. Like this was as bad as. A, and again, I think he's funny. It was just a terrible setup. Like share a different quote for this. Like it was fine, but it wasn't anything more than that. All right, two. Mm-hmm. Griffin, what are the chances that uh, Gwen's Chili Bowl will make us a piss jug man costume? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I guess I'll have Can to. Can you talk to her about it this week? Yeah. Jeremy, are you, familiar, are you familiar with yeah. piss jug man? Yes, I am. Okay. I think I, that we should do a side bet on this week's picks, and the loser around Halloween has to go out somewhere as piss jug man. I like it. All right, good. I, we got to make sure. I mean, I'd probably be yeah, willing I mean, to go out as Piss Jugman anyway. I, I'm not even kidding. Nicely. I'm thinking about Piss Jugman being my Halloween costume, no matter what. I am all in on Piss Jugman. It's my favorite thing in the world. Now, I think I, I like that actually. Right, it, dude. What if we both went out as like dueling Piss Jugmans? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what are I you doing re- here? I just realized this isn't a side bet. This know, is just this a way is... for Jeremy and I to get our Halloween costume taken care of. We do the Spider-Man meme with right? us pointing, pointing each, at other, each other. Piss Jugman. God, I yeah. love Piss Jugman. All right, now, what, what can we plug for you? Give me the rundown. Uh, I mean, the website, ConcreteLocks.com. Um, hit my lock this week. We got a special that's going to be going on there. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I'm not a salesman. I don't like doing the salesy stuff. But, it, you know, I, I started this business. I needed leverage. You know, and it's also like somebody said, if, you, if you're good at something, you know, you should get paid for it. Uh, we'll find out if I'm good at it. But, um, <laughs> you know, like this was just something I and, try to keep it as cheap as I can. And honestly, and that's how he got into gay porn. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, and honestly, it's, um, it's something where like when we do get things wrong, I, I'm constantly just trying to get free stuff out to make people happy and to make it right. So, I mean, you know me as well, but like, it's just something I think this industry is like, I want somebody to do a documentary on the gambling industry. Um, like they've done with all these other sports documentaries because it is so shady no, 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 no. and what goes on. And lastly, I'm surprised you didn't bring up, um, you know, the, the kicker, um, and uh, his white pants and the fact that he oh, wasn't, wearing, wasn't a wearing a cup. Oh, wasn't wearing a cup, yeah. Well, dude, if you haven't watched, uh, what's it, Stavros as uh, 
Yeah, uh, what is his character? Ronnie and yeah, Parkville. Yeah. Dude, you it he's done a lot of good ones. Yesterday's was I mean, just chef's kiss. Like yeah. chef's kiss. And and I think the one joke at the end almost goes over notice because you're yeah. still like laughing. Uh huh. Um Dude, it and was, and it's really good. It was so. beautiful. It was beautiful, man. That was that was just perfect. All right, at Jcon Sports, of course, on Twitter is how you follow him. Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, and Picks Every Day as well, still at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, we'll, we'll sort out Piss Jug Man, and we'll get back to you about it. Love you, buddy. Thank you. All right, man. I'll see you guys soon. It's Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR. Can we grab a break? Yes. Or, all right, we'll grab a break. When we come back in, Jay Feely's going to join us after he was on the call yesterday. Don't forget, um, today's show is brought to you by... Oh, you know what? Today's show is brought to you by... This is the problem. I don't know which which break is which now. So, like, I was going to look at a break, too, but we, we got a whole thing back here. The Tyus Bowser Show is back tomorrow night. We will be at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Tyus and a special guest. Come join us. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. And helpmygamblingproblem.org. Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership with Pressbox and Grade Eights memorabilia. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire. U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All aboard! The Orioles train keeps on moving and it's ahead of schedule. The birds are motoring towards a playoff run here in 2023 as their magic number keeps getting smaller and smaller. I'm Paul Valley, and you can find me along with Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here on the Bataround. We'll navigate you through the playoff push as the Orioles look to put an exclamation point on what is turning out to be the best season of the last 40 years. So join us on the Orioles train and let's enjoy the ride together right here on the Bataround. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. 
picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. Quality of service. Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the higher edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR? All right, we continue along here on a Monday edition of the program, Griff. And you want to let everybody know what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel? Yeah, they got a second tra- second chance drawing going on. So if uh, luck was not on your side uh, this weekend in a recent bet, like maybe you took Jags money line, mm, like I did. Yeah, like, not like great. Should have been the lock of the week. Should have uh, been. Uh, but over at Live, or at say Fandle, Ravens money line, or even Ravens money line. It was uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, go over to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, and we'll get ready to turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and January fourth. 2024, all live casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing slips into the second chance to win drum. And two nights a week, 20 winners will be chosen. Prizes range from live casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour uh, uh, specials, cash and cash, and free play prizes up to $500. So drawings held again every Thursday and Monday over at live casino and Hotel Maryland at Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, very good. Um, by the way, there's a crazy story this morning regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers that we haven't even talked about. They're still stuck on a plane and have been since last night. It is weird, dude. Uh, but we'll get into that. Actually, maybe we could pose it. Joining us now here on GCR, this man was on the call as the Ravens suffered a very shocking defeat at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. I thought he did an excellent job. I the, the quickness by which he described certain things within the course of this game, including the Zay Flowers play, was really impressive to me. He is, of course, former NFL kicker and now CBS NFL analyst, Mr. Jay Feely, and he's back with us here on GCR. Jay, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. No problem. That was a crazy, yeah. crazy last three minutes of that game. Dude. <laughs> all right, so there's so much to cover with you, but I really do want to commend you as an analyst. First of all, I thought your crew, everybody was great yesterday. but That's kind of, yeah. 
we did a good job. Everybody was on it because there were so many things going on, but I appreciate that. Particularly how quickly you identified what a game-turning moment the fair catch could prove to be. And you didn't even know how the next couple of minutes were going to play out. But the immediacy. Let's walk through it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, walk me through what you were seeing leading up to it, how you saw the clock change, all of that, because it blew my mind. The rest of us, I still think, were like, ah, oh, thank God the Ravens won this one, right? Like, they got, they got the job done. It was ugly, but it's over. You noticed that before I think anybody on the planet noticed it. First of all, the, the, Colts, the Colts have the ball with 203. They just give up a safety. And so you have to make a decision if you're going to kick the onside there, which I have no idea why they didn't kick the onside. Because if you punt the ball back to the Ravens and they simply return that punt and get to the two-minute warning, and even if they take three kneels right there, you know, they just run three plays, the best-case scenario for you if you're the Colts is that you get the ball back with about 20 seconds left. You know, because you only have one timeout. And so – you flip it and you're the Ravens, you have to be communicating there. I know there was confusion because first they said there were, the, the two-minute warning had run out, so we weren't going to have another two-minute warning, and they told us that in the truck too, but then they came back and they looked at it and said, okay, no, we're putting three seconds back on. It's 2.03. So even if right there, if you can't communicate with Zay Flowers, call a timeout Yes. if you're the Ravens. You have to call a timeout there because your timeouts don't matter for you at that moment. You just need to make sure you communicate, hey, we have to return this ball and get to the two-minute warning. Because then you know you're going to get it down to at least 20 seconds when you punt the ball back. If you don't get a first half, nothing happens. You just run three plays. They use their timeout on the first play. You run two more plays, punt the ball back. They're going to get the ball at their own 20, down three points with 20 seconds left. And it's just such a critical mistake. And then obviously to get the penalty on third down as well, which stops the clock, I mean, Instead of punting it back with 20 seconds left, they get the ball back with 141 left. It was just staggering, you know, how mismanaged that was. I mean, it was insane. It was utterly insane. I think the point about you got to take a timeout there, that's, I, can't, I can't escape that, right? Like, I can't get away from the explanation from John Harbaugh that it was a miscommunication because you're, talk, you're talking, like, the game is over. The game is over. It's over. If you just... Yeah. Make sure that you run the time off when you get the ball back. Like, I can't believe that it was just, ah, well, he doesn't know, but eh, nothing we can do. And maybe the answer really is that it, it was too late when John Harbaugh recognized what had happened, and he doesn't want to say that because it sounds like he failed. But there's no way of getting around this. One way or the other, I, I think John Harbaugh's an excellent coach, right? I'm not even a guy that dislikes John Harbaugh. But one way or no, the I'm other, a big fan. yeah, you, you failed here because if, if you didn't recognize it at first and didn't get it in time, that's, on, that's one. But on the second side, to your point, the moment that you realize what's going on, it's too important for you to not take a timeout and make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, and I think you know, going back and looking back and having those internal meetings, they're going to say the exact same thing. So for the whole, as, we, as you pointed out completely, Jay, what happened yesterday was a just one of the most bizarre stretch of we counted them out. There's about ten things that occurred, starting with that moment till the end of the game, where if any one of them goes the opposite way, right? Like the the face mask that wasn't called, the pass interference that wasn't called. Isaiah likely catches the ball that hits him in his chest, right? Justin Tucker gets eighteen more inches on a field goal. <laughs> any of those things happen, it's a different result and all's well that ends well. And so what I come to is, 
how much of yesterday was a reflection on the Baltimore Ravens versus a reminder that this is the NFL, the other team tries too, things happen, and, you know, the, the Chiefs lost a game to the Colts last year too, and these things just sometimes happen in football, and it doesn't really tell us all that much about the Ravens as a team. The only thing that concerns me about the Ravens moving forward is their injury situation. Right. right. That's the only thing that concerns me. I think it's a super talented team with really good coaching that's going to continue to get better throughout the year. I think this offense is going to continue to mature and to understand themselves and to get better. I like the way they're going offensively. I like what they're doing with Lamar Jackson, and I think it's going to just get better and better as he understands this offense more and feels more comfortable and the receivers get healthy and they're able to make plays and you're able to get Bateman making plays and Odell's back out there. And I just think, you know, when you get your, your offensive line healthy again, and there's going to be uh, a lot of maturation that happens with this offense. And I think the defense, I love the way they play and, and they made plenty of plays to win that game yesterday. And like you said, there's lots of plays. And I go back to the fumble by Drake in the yeah. first, in the first quarter. Yeah. Like it right there felt like you guys were about to, the Ravens were about to just run away with that game to go down and score another touchdown, go up 14, nothing and, and be cruising. And that play kind of changed the whole tenor of that first half. And it became a dogfight, you know, and then you're right. It is the NFL and anything can happen and you have to make plays when you have opportunities and they just weren't able to do that. Jay Feely is with us here on GCR after he was on the call yesterday and Jay, to the point, like that, I, I don't want to be dismissive of it because I still don't think that you make excuses for what happened. The, the difficult part about this is I, I can both feel as though it doesn't, and you and I are in agreement. I think the only thing that you really learned yesterday is that like it was too overwhelming, this list of injuries. But still, with all of that, they still should have won this game. And ultimately, you could get to the end of the season, and it could be a scenario where we get to Week 18 and we're talking about a team that hasn't clinched yet and would have been able to had they just held on and won that game against the Colts at home. So it's the it's the tough part about these conversations where I, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it yesterday. They should have won that football game, and it might actually end up burning them when you get to the end of the year. Well, you figure that <clears throat> Joe Burrow at some point is going to get healthy and the Bengals are going to get better, and then the Browns and the Steelers go and get wins as well, and so yeah. they're sitting at 2-1. and one. Because I really felt like early in this season when the Steelers' offense was struggling and with the Nick Chubb injury for the Browns and Joe Burrow and his play and his injury for the Bengals, this was a huge opportunity, you know, not only that game against the Colts but the next few weeks to really put separation between the Ravens and the rest of that AFC North. But it didn't happen, you know, and so you've lost out on a huge opportunity, you know, and, and now you got to try and get healthy and, and get ready and, and get ready for a big game. I want you to know that I'm aware of how insane the question I'm about to ask you is. All right? I want you to know that. Okay. <laughs> Justin Tucker has missed two 50-plus-yard field goals this season. Actually, 60-plus, right? Wasn't the, was wasn't the, first the first one, one 62? 60, I, thought, I thought the first one was 50. I, <laughs> was I it 57? It I thought it was 50. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was shorter than okay. 60. But maybe it, <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah. I, I know what I'm saying is bonkers right but you understand because you you and I have talked about Justin Tucker before like we are talking about the standard being literally the greatest kicker of all time is is there any chance that we're seeing that like that level just that the absurd no human has ever reached this level before might not be where Justin Tucker is I'm not saying he's not still no. maybe the best kicker in football no. or okay go ahead talk me through it <laughs> not talk. at all now here 
here's the thing. People were a little critical of me because I was assuming that Justin Tucker was going to make that kick. I truly was shocked that he missed the kick. As were the rest even of us. Even though a 61-yard yeah. field goal is unbelievable, and, and it's because of how great he is. That's why I just, that's why I assumed, like, I literally have watched him in practice, you know, make 70 yard field goals and, and watched a set, you know, where he's making seven, eight, 60 plus yard field goals in a row. So I had complete confidence that if they got him to around a 60 yard field goal, that he was going to step in and, and make that. And you, like you said, it's about 18 inches short. I mean, he hit it right on line. He just caught it, I think a little undercut. And so it went a little higher than he wanted and it didn't carry as much but to, to have that kind of confidence in a kicker to make that kick is absurd and I did I had that kind of confidence in him and I think Ravens fans did as well did, did you think they should have let him try from 63 at the at like knowing I would have yeah yeah I mean but the, the other thing is I think they do a really good job you have Randy Brown who's been there for a long time who's, who's the kicking coach he talks to Justin they understand Randy watches them in warm-ups so they kind of really have a good understanding of where his distance is that day. And they're, they're, they're very uh, objective about that. And, and then Randy's going to communicate with John so that because if a head coach goes to a kicker and he says, Hey, can you make this 99% of the time you're going to say yes, because like you're thinking like, yeah, best case scenario, I can make this. But John usually goes to Randy and they have that conversation and they're like, Randy says, objectively like yes he can make this or no i don't think we should kick this so it takes the the kicker out of the equation somewhat and so i'm sure they had those conversations on the sidelines by the way uh, we got it was 59 was the miss against cincinnati so basically a 60 yard field goal <laughs> for what it's worth and again yeah. i know when i asked that question we're I expecting sh- him to make a 60 yard kick I, every time but that's where we are <laughs> like that's the standard that we have come to accept from Justin Tucker. Like that if we don't know that a 60 yarder is automatic, we think something's wrong. Like that's where we are with how good Justin Tucker has been over the years, man. Obviously we are quite spoiled here. That said, and it's the part that I don't like doing. Let me just put it in context. Yeah. Can, I, can I put that in context? Please, here? I please. think I'm right on this stat. I think there's four kickers in NFL history that have, more than one 60-yard field goal in their career. I think there's four who have made multiple 60-yard kicks in their career. I'm trying to pull it up to see if we can confirm this. I'm trying to figure out if I can get the list on. Yeah, I uh, read it a couple of weeks ago, and that's just off the top of my head, but it's, it's like three or four uh, total. Brett, you know, Brett, Trader, Brett Maher had a couple 62-yarder. Actually, Brett Maher had two 62-yarders yeah. and a 63-yarder. Jesus, Brett. And you're right about Prater. Prater had the 64-yarder. And he made a 61 yesterday. Yep, and he had a 62 apparently as well. And yep. that does. And Tucker. Yeah. Uh, Jake, and Jake, 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 Jake Elliott has had two 61 yarders. There you go. So four. That's pretty mar- that's, remarkable. That's in the history of the NFL. And that's just a couple, not going out and making it every time you go out and make it. Some guy named Feely once hit a 61 yarder. I got that on this list. Yeah, and I had to hit it as well as I could possibly hit it. <laughs> um, on the flip side, I mean, like we hate tipping our cap, but like I, you can give us context to it. I, I don't know. Given the field conditions, there's. I, I hate what Matt Gay did yesterday. To me, is one of the other remarkable parts of the story, right? Like. I, I don't know that given the field conditions that you could have assumed that someone was going to go four for four on kicks of longer than 50 yards. 
It's the first time in NFL history that somebody has made four kicks over 50 yards in a single game. And at the end of the game, I said it, it's arguably the greatest kicking performance in the history of the NFL. Yeah. That game was. I mean, to make a 53 to tie it, to make a 53 to win it, and two more throughout the game to keep your team in it and to go five for five. I mean, it was just a phenomenal performance by him. And every ball he hit was perfect. And, and so, you know, yeah, that kind of performance, you kind of tip your cat and just say, hey, that was excellent. But if I'm a Ravens fan or if I'm in that locker room, I know we let a game go that we should have won. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's why it's so awkward to talk about today. Because, Jay, you and I are simpatico on this. There's no excuse. It's, it's a shameful way to lose a football game. And at the same time, I just don't think it really tells the story of the Baltimore Ravens. And, like, I think it would be far more concerning – if you had players out there and like we came out of it saying, oh, God, the secondary is a disaster. How is this team going to win with this secondary? In some bizarre world, it's less concerning that there was some bumbling and stumbling than there would have been if they had just like lost because there's one area on this football team that we know simply isn't good enough. Right. If you get, you get Marlon Humphrey back out there, that changes everything at the corner right. position. Then you get Marcus Williams. You put Marcus, you put Marcus Williams with um, – the other, the other guys in the secondary, what you're able to do on that defense, and that transforms everything. With him and Kyle Hamilton back there, you know, that, that's an unbelievable middle when you have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and you have Williams and you have Hamilton. And what Hamilton was able to do in that game was phenomenal rushing off the edge. You know, and you start to get healthy on that side of the ball. And then you get Odell back. And then you get you know, your offensive line back. And you know, Linderbaum, that's a big to have him back in there. I mean, obviously Mustafer has done a good job stepping in, but he had the big mistake and, you know, to be able to get your left tackle back as well. I just have a lot of confidence in this team going forward. All right. Now, before I let you go, Jay, I, we reference this, but the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still stuck on a plane in can They have been on a plane since one thirty last night. They've been on a plane for Ow. 10 hours. I, I don't have all those answers. What I want you to know is you've been on a lot of football teams at what point in this circumstance do things start to devolve into chaos? Like, at what point do you go from, yeah, we won, we can get a nap, everything's good, no problem here, to, oh, God, we are sick of being around each other and we have to get off this plane? Well, the, the, the other context is when, you, when you're on these planes with the teams, everything is taken care of. Like, you, you just kind of walk through your security right at the building, you get on the plane, they have everything taken yeah, care of, you have true. a police escort. Like, everything is taken care of for you. So to have this kind of situation is kind of crazy. Um, you know, and I, I'm shocked that they just didn't say, okay, we're getting off, get us That's buses, the, and we'll I'll figure it out. i never understand that. Like, how do you not – and I guess the answer is, like, you don't want to have to get a hotel or anything like that. You just you just want to figure it out and get on a plane. Man, I don't get it. I don't get it how the answer is you're still sitting and waiting on the plane. It's one of the biggest problems in commercial travel right now is when there's something wrong with the plane and they just tell you, don't worry, stay on the plane. And all you can think to yourself is, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose my mind <laughs> in five more minutes. I guess, it's, I guess it's a welcome to the real world moment right. for the Pittsburgh Steelers no organization. Doubt, no doubt. Uh, Jay Feely, what do you guys have next? I'm off. I got, uh, I got USC, Colorado. I get to go watch my son oh, play. Oh, that's next right. Weekend oh, Colorado, man, so. that's cool. I, you know what? I saw, I saw you sharing some stuff on Twitter earlier this season about your son. It was really. I'm a softie now, Jay, because I got two boys, and like that, all of that stuff makes me weep. I'm like, I'm the softest human boy, human being on the planet. But to see you like celebrating your son, and I know it was a tough one on Saturday for them, but 
to celebrate the way that the the season had started for him and for them um, was really special to me. And I imagine it's been cool. Like I saw Dion was tweeting with you. Like, I, I it, how cool has that been for him having that relationship? Well, just to get to see him get his opportunity. He's worked really hard for this. It's been a couple of years. And so to see him get his opportunity. And then, you know, you can't do anything as a dad. you got to hope that he goes out there and takes advantage of it and is able to perform under pressure. And he's done an awesome job with it so far. I'm really proud of him. My wife and I have had a blast going to the games and watching and, and just seeing him realize his dreams. And so awesome. there's ups and downs always in sports. It's fun for me to be able to give him context and, and just kind of help him mentally walk through it and uh and then just see him go after it and so it'll be fun we get to go watch that game and then the week after that they're they're here in arizona which is where i live playing against arizona state which is where he played the first two weeks yeah. so that'll be a big game for him as well. yeah, that's cool uh at jay feely on twitter is how you follow him congratulations jay it's really awesome and really appreciate you thank you for taking appreciate a couple that. minutes great to talk to you thanks bud jay feely from cbs with us here on gcr and again i thought he was great yesterday that's that's not me. Like I really thought he was sharp and on it. And it's one of the things that bothers me most about broadcasts is like you're supposed to know more than the average person. You're not supposed to be reacting four minutes later. You're supposed to see things that the average person doesn't see unfolding during the course of a game. And I thought Jay Feely was all over it yesterday. Like I thought he was great about that. So really enjoyed that call. All right, let's get into uh, this week's Slaps of the Helmet. Unfortunate, but that's the way that it goes. Ravens lose, and when they lose, we've got to dish out some slaps. Slaps are brought to you by Superbook. You can use the code GlennClark23, Superbook.com, or the Superbook app. And when you do, you'll get a same-day first bet match up to $250. Win or lose. You get that match. I was trying to see if we already had a line for next week. We do. What do you think it is? Did we play? Where are we? We're at Cleveland? Uh, yes, at Cleveland. We? Yeah. Because yeah, um, you're on the team, of course. Um, let's see. I mean, they just made that line. Ravens minus two and a half. Ravens plus two and a half. Wow. All right, Ravens I'm all over it. Plus two and a half. <laughs> all over it, clearly. On the road in Cleveland. Yeah, if it's five points from where you yeah. thought it should be, <laughs> seems like you should be betting it. Do that right now, Superbook.com or on the Superbook app. All right, here's the deal. You know how it works. It's the, the We did Pats the first two weeks. It's just the reverse. The five Ravens that are most deserving of criticism or scorn uh, for their performances, decisions, whatever they are in the loss. Same structure. you got to pick five Ravens, build them up from five to one, with number one being your anti-man of the match. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. And the fifth can be whoever you like, another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. It was a tough week for defensive players, right? Like, it was just tough because nobody, I think, had a particularly bad game. But number five on my list, it's just an unfortunate. Oh, by the way, I know we've not, we've really struggled with getting the soundboard launched. But one of the things I definitely need for the soundboard that we will hopefully use at some point is Dante from Clerk saying, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Because I feel like I reference this a lot of times when we do slaps in the helmet. I, I don't know how to criticize Jeremiah Moon, right? Like, how do you do that? He's not even supposed to be here today. Jeremiah Moon's not supposed to be a player on a football team. But he was. And when Kyle Hamilton sacked Gardner Minshew at the end of the first half, the ball was right there. And he could have done a couple of things. 
he could have fallen on it. Had he fallen on it, he might have been criticized, right? Like we might have said, dude, if you just pick mm-hmm. that up, it's a scoop and score. But he tried to do that, and he didn't. And I be- was it Quentin Nelson who knocked it out? Actually? Yeah, I think it was Quentin Nelson. I believe it was. I actually think there was more of an argument for looking to see if he had come away right. with possession. And then they get a and new like, set of downs. That was never something that really, like... Well, fortunately, yeah. No, I mean... Like no, if well, he yeah. had had possession, right, and then the Colts would have gotten a new. I'm saying, would the was would was it actually recovered on the sideline or not? Was uh, the ball actually maybe out of, out of bounds? Because if uh, he had had possession, and the ball had gone out of bounds, then it would have been Ravens' ball. Yeah, okay. but I, I'm look. I haven't looked at it again. It might very well be that the entire thought process is blown up because it actually was recovered. And it wasn't out of bounds on the sideline, right? Whatever. Moral of the story is there was an opportunity there either to pick it up and run it back or to, at worst, fall on it, and then the Ravens are already on the edge of field goal range with still lots of time. It cost them points. There's no way of getting around it. It's tough to criticize Jeremiah Moon because he's Jeremiah Moon. But that cost the Ravens points. And on a day where it was tough to find defensive players for the list, it earned him number five. Gotcha. Um, I went with, I mean, this is probably, or it is, I mean, they're all going to be debatable, but I went with Justin Tucker as my number five. I wow. mean, it is. I, <laughs> That's where had, we are. Yeah. I went with, I mean, he is the greatest kicker of all time. And uh, with that comes expectations. The problem is that means you left John Harbaugh off your list and that's. That's yeah, I did. really a problem for me. That is a problem. That's a huge problem for me. No, I'm, I'm put it on the players. I, this I, week I, did. I hear you except we'll get to it. All right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we expect him to make a 61-yarder at this point, and I, that would have won the game. I hear so you. Like, if, I, uh, if we drag this thing out, it might – I just – I can't I can't do it. I can't – even Justin Tucker, I can't criticize for missing a 61-yard field goal. Like, I get it. Right. Would have been really helpful if he did. Yeah. But I can't do that, especially when there are actual things that occurred that were really warranted uh-huh. I for mean, criticism. Yeah, I mean, I had, to leave, where... I had to leave another offensive player off my list that I, did, I wasn't happy about leaving off. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. When we when we believe this is his range, and that's uh, where the offense gets right to where I, that I, line is, and I, he can't while make I it, while so. I understand what you're saying, I think actually putting him on the list is too far. Like I understand the thought process of where we the standard is you're the greatest kicker of all time. I get that thought, and that's what I brought up with Jay Feely. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference between saying that and then suggesting that he deserves to be criticized for missing a 61 yard field goal in terrible conditions. Number four for me is Patrick Queen. Again, it was difficult to come up with defensive players. I think Patrick Queen, for the most part, had a good game yesterday. But Zach Moss did run for 120 yards. And then, and then the, the only the, touchdown of the game, he looked like it was just one where it was a wheel route on the sideline, and Patrick Queen did not look like he was in position to be able to defend it. Look, it was actually a hell of a throw from Gardner Minshew. Like, it required basically a perfect throw for it to work. But it just didn't look like Patrick Queen was in position that if it wasn't a perfect throw, he would have been able to do anything about it either. So uh, it's the same exact phrase. Patrick Queen is my number four as well. I, he, I think he's still a liability in coverage uh, for, and so yeah, I don't know been that better. I don't think I can say he's a liability in coverage anymore. But I get it. Like that wasn't a good. He is much better when he is not in coverage. Well, I mean, uh, th- same for every inside linebacker in all of football. I mean, well, then why do we keep doing putting him out there? I, I, well, it's a running back, like. Exactly. Well, if he can't cover Zach Moss, he can't cover. It's, you're, you're saying he can't cover. Like that's unfair. It's unfair. I get it. And he's on. He's my number four. But I think we're just using different verbiage because this goes back to your deep-seated Patrick Queen thing that you haven't been able to shake for your entire life. Well, my number three is Isaiah Likely. And again, this is tough because it came down to either Isaiah Likely or Kenyon Drake for me. And the truth is, one of them to me is a mercenary. The other one is a raven. 
and that's really why I made the decision that I made. And if if I thought Kenyon Drake was a part of the story, then I probably would put Kenyon Drake on the list. But Isaiah Likely is supposed to be part of the story. And there's no defending it. And there's no, well, they could have called something. None of it. None of it. The ball hit you in the chest. There was no defender between you or the ball, nor could any of the defenders do anything about the ball around you. I think Jeremy's point is relevant. I do think that he was hearing footsteps, but you're already on the ground. There's no there's no excuse. There's no defense. There's no none of it. I, if if it was I'm trying to think of who who was the, the the scrub that they had running around that everybody fell in love with in the preseason that was playing tight end. What was that guy's name? Um, Vol, 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 oh Vol, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vol, Volkolek, Volka. Yeah, Volkolek. Is that whatever it was? Volkolek. If, if it was that Travis Volkolek. If it was that guy, it would be inexcusable. You you can't be an NFL player. And we think that Isaiah Likely is more than the last guy on the roster. We keep raving about how talented he is. You can't be an NFL player and drop that ball in that situation. There's no getting around it. I get it. The Kenyon Drake fumble is completely inexcusable. And I, by the way, the Sam Mustafer thing was also tough for me too. Like I also definitely considered Sam Mustafer on the list. But remember, they, they didn't lose that ball. Um, that can't happen. Like It just cannot happen ever. Isaiah Likely was my number three. Yeah, Likely was not great. Uh, he he escaped my list um, just because I don't know. I guess I I, I don't know why I, I'm not like as hype I, I, or you know as as far into the hype as a lot of other people. I don't are know that Isaiah it matters Likely. about the hype though. You're on the field and yeah, you drop that ball. Right. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. As I said, I mean, I guess because if it was James Prochet yesterday doing that, then yes, he it's any, would have been on the list. Anybody at but, all who's in that spot has to catch that football. Every single one of them. If you are an NFL player that has a ball hit you in the chest. With the yeah. game at stake, you're going to – I have to criticize for you for it. I have to call you out for that. I, and and I I do think – I think that Isaiah Likely is above the floor, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, even if I'm – like, the craziest of the hype is too much, but he's not – he's not replacement level to me. He's not the bottom of guys that are just on the team. He's – Jeremiah Moon is that guy. Isaiah Likely isn't. So – like, I would criticize Jeremiah Moon in that spot. I have to criticize Isaiah Likely. Uh, I went with Brandon Stevens here at number three. Because I know the Pittman he's, play. I actually thought he had all a, the plays. I thought I he actually had a good day for the I most part yesterday. Think I think he made plays. I know he's kind of a victim of circumstance here. I, I mean, he I, should not be on the field 100 percent of the snaps. I think you're missing um, this one. I think Brandon Stevens he, made plays yesterday. He ripped his helmet off, and he still couldn't defend defend Michael Pittman, and he was getting targeted I mean, that, all day. And I don't blame him. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a great. I don't think he's a great corner. And uh, well, I, mean, I don't think he's a great corner. I think he's been more than serviceable. I think he broke up the one that could have been a touchdown. Down on the right side of the field late in the game. I think Brandon Stevens made plays yesterday. I it's don't not just think that he made plays. I, 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 the only thing that I could criticize Brandon Stevens over would be that he got deked on the Pittman on the big gainer. That's the only thing yesterday that I could be particularly critical of Brandon Stevens on is that he bit on Michael Pittman's move, and then Michael Pittman had him beat on that play. When they're targeting him, feels like half of the plays. I mean, it's well, because one is because he's lining up against Michael Pittman. Like they don't have other. Right. Yeah, well. Like, then, uh, <laughs> Like that's the way that it goes. Yeah, I know. So he's a victim of circumstances, kind of. Right, my but it's, point you're here. acting and like he, he gave up 300 yards or something like that. I mean, he did not. He did not slow them down at all, in my opinion. I, 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 I think you are you are purposefully missing some of the things I'm that Brandon missing. Stevens did Brandon yesterday. Stevens, uh, I think don't you think are. Is a, 
he's not a he is he is a, he is a I, I would we talk fact, about replacement level players. I would I, I I think you're wildly missing it. I think Brandon Stevens last two weeks have proven that he is much better yeah. than we realized he was. Like I think it's been the exact opposite where he was one of the few things that I came away saying like Boy, I have much more confidence than I had going into the season for Brandon Stevens. I drastically more. I am do not have confidence I, in him. I, I, I hope we get more corners back and healthy. I mean, I guess our Darius Washington's gone now. I mean, so who do you think that's going to be? Yeah, a Kyle Hamilton. I'm going to have to move him out there. Like we need, uh, okay, we just need okay. guys to and, get back. I, but I don't know who you think's going to like. I think Brandon Stevens is going to be one of the guys. He's going to continue to be on my list every loss. I, like. <laughs> This is because this, he gets. This, I mean, he. This is why I'm really worried about you with with pats and slaps. <laughs> like I'll never. We will do this. He broke up two passes yesterday, including one that would have been a touchdown. Like I, I'm not sure what there is to say. Now I get it. He did get deked out on a day where it was tough to come up with defensive players. If you had just said, "Look, man, you know Brandon Stevens was admirable, but the biggest, you know, the biggest gainer of the day." He was the one that bid on the the move, and because of that, he's on the list. I would say, all right, yes. I, I get it. Like, I it's it's probably unfair, but I don't think Patrick Queen had a bad day, and I put him on the list too. I don't think that defensive players had bad days yesterday. I just it's the nature of a close game, and somebody's got to make the list. But you're being really critical of Brandon Stevens. Well, and I, I, mean, I don't I think, think that the actual performance I think he should be warrants criticized. That. I would like to know what his. I I don't. I'm not a PFF grade guy. I've gone over that. I don't think their system works. But I would like to know what he was graded out at yesterday. Still not up yet. PFF okay. grades. Very good. Number two is where we find Lamar Jackson, who. It it's what I said earlier. If Justin Tucker makes that kick, we all know that Lamar Jackson didn't have it. There's. Our, the language that we use to describe it is all brought up in this thing that Griffin tried to talk about last week that, like, it, we, we lose context. We say things like, well, Lamar Jackson didn't play like a $260 million quarterback. And when we say that, we end up saying it as Lamar Jackson wasn't good or he was bad or something along those lines. And they're not true. Lamar Jackson yesterday completed... 70% of his passes ran for over 100 yards. If the Ravens had won that game, Lamar Jackson would have been on the very short list of reasons why the Ravens won the game. They didn't. And so because of that, the mistakes that were made are amplified. And we don't talk about it appropriately. Lamar Jackson wasn't great yesterday. He was good enough to win, in tough circumstances. You'd like for him to be closer to perfect. But we lose our minds and we lose all context for how to discuss these things because all we do is $260 million. That's all we say. We just... we. There, it doesn't even mean anything. They're just words that we throw out there to justify our feelings. Our feelings are, when you get paid $50 million, it means you have to literally be perfect. And that's never going to happen. You get paid that much because otherwise you've got to trot out Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. It's a shame that Lamar Jackson lost. The one fumble is on him. The other one, yes, he was the one that fumbled it, but it's on the fact that he tried to make the right decision to not throw the ball, and in that moment, 
But as he was bringing the ball down, it happened to be swiped out as he was going back and forth with somebody about last night on Twitter. The third one that we're trying to put on him is insane. It was, like, if you want to say it's weird that there was a, a communication error there and that Sam Mustafer was snapping the ball before he was ready, that's fine. But even if Lamar Jackson was ready, the ball never left the ground. Like, I don't know how to explain the entirety of what happened, but that's on the center, that the snap never left the ground, and he was trying to skip a rock back to Lamar Jackson. Um, it wasn't his finest day, and because that's the nature of the quarterback position, and because he did make a couple of mistakes that were on him, you know, but the one, the reason why he's number two on the list is the sack. That's the one. Without it, I don't Lamar Jackson might have been on the list, but it would have been tougher because he did too much good for me to measure it against, say, Kenyon it's Drake, who say, I, yeah, I, I mean, left off the list. Oh, okay. Um, right? Or yeah. Melvin Gordon, who has nothing to offer. Um But the sack was so inexcusable. Right, because if he avoids that sack, I mean, who knows? Well, I mean, like we're doing it there there is also some weird revisionist history going on there where people the are like the next play was the Aguilar play, right? Right. But yeah. like we're doing this bit where like, well, if he just avoids that sack, then they score. I'm like, well, they're not in field goal range yet. Yeah. Like, let's let's ease up on all that. They still have work to do. And we think, you know, to your point, as you said that you think that Justin Tucker should have made that kick, that he got him into field goal range anyway without the sack. Yeah. But the sack is still inexcusable. There's no getting around it. You've got to know when you take the field that no matter what, that can't happen. And I get it. Lamar Jackson is is remarkable with his feet. But in that situation, either there's a clear path or you've got to get to a place where you can throw the ball away. And that's why he can't avoid the, the, the sack specifically is why all of the good that he did isn't enough for him to overcome, and he had to be number two on my list. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I echo pretty much everything. I had Lamar as number two on my list as well. So I mean, you have, I can't figure who your number one is. It's uh, I mean, I'll, I'll make sense of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, everything you just said. The fumbles, as much as maybe some of them weren't on him. Uh, he still got a. We lost one of the fumbles, mm-hmm. which was crucial. Directly led to three points, mm-hmm. and they lose, and they lost the game by three points plus the sack. So Lamar is number two. All right, Even well, number he played well. Number one to me is John Harbaugh. Like that to me is the the. Uh, we were just talking about with Jay Feely. I can't escape from. The game is over if you just make sure you get that right. I can't get around that. I can debate it. We can debate the decision to go forward and forth down. We can debate certain things. There's no debate about that. There's no... And we can all the other little things people want to point out, like, oh, they weren't ready to play. Here, he was so emotional last week, they weren't ready to play this week. Those are things that, like, I I can't define. But I can define this one. The moment you realize that you guys have the wrong call, you got no choice. As it was pointed out by a few people, they were lined up expecting an onside kick. And then the punter was sent out there. So there was general confusion to begin with. You, I, I'm speechless as to how the thought was anything other than we got to make sure they don't get the ball back. We can't give them a free timeout here. We have to call our timeout to make sure we're all on the same page, to make sure we have this right. And 
That's that's an error that I can't say definitely cost them the game because, sure, let's just say that they call the timeout and we come back and say Flowers, you know, runs or whoever, Devin DuVernay, runs around for three seconds, gets him underneath the two-minute warning. Then maybe they still commit penalties mm-hmm. on the other side and the clock still stops anyway. But that can't happen. That is as inexcusable as inexcusable gets. Like, that is, there's only so many things you can tangibly measure with a head coach. Like, other of these things are esoteric. It's like when we talk about Brandon Hyde. Like, how much of the culture is him? I, I don't know. But I know tangibly the head coach is the one that has the responsibility of saying, this is too important and we don't have it right. We have to call a timeout and make sure we get it right because it's the difference in 40 seconds. John Harbaugh is number one. Uh, number one should be Cleet Blakeman. Uh, and his refereeing crew because they cost the game for the Ravens. Um, but, yeah, number one, I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake here, and it does seem unfair. I mean, he showed up in the uh, look, building I, Wednesday uh, Wednesday morning, and uh, but the fumble, I mean, that changed the tra- trajectory of the entire game. And, uh, I mean, you have one job, and it is to hold on to the football. I know there's 11 other guys who their sole job is to knock the football out of your hands, but, you know, this is this is the one – thing uh, that you have to that you have to do and is take care of the football and he wasn't able to do it I know I mean it was this was it his first touch of the season I guess it might have been um his first was, was he not in on the all right I guess you're right um so it seems unfair but I mean that fumble just oh, really really the changed There's things no question. and I think game. you know turnovers have been the story in, in this early part of the season uh, I mean you saw they they beat they beat a good team like what we uh, presume a good team like the Bengals when they take care of the football mm-hmm. and uh it was ugly against the Texans when they did not take care of the football and they lose to the Colts when they don't take care of the football so fumbles are the story to me so Kenyon Drake is my number one with the fumble back in the first quarter uh to to really really swing things and and change the game this is a I disagree but this is not like last week you have made a your your argument of the game was going one way and it completely changed in one moment. That's not all Kenyon Drake's fault. Like, it's not Kenyon Drake's fault the mm, next three drives yeah. went sideways for the Ravens. But I understand why you feel significant about it. So I'm not going to beat you up about it. Not Thanks. This Thank you. Not this Thank one. you. All right. I uh, did good. <laughs> eh, yeah. We're going to get our slaps up at glennclarkradio.com here momentarily. When we come back in a quick tidbit and tube to wrap it up for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at DriveEZMD.com. We'll keep you moving. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita 
and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Ties Bowser Show. A partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 26th at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. If you haven't picked up this print issue of PressBox, it is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Great cover story from Bo Smolka. All about Lamar Jackson now in the contract era. Again, go get that for free today or read it at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, so as Jay Feely mentioned, Matt Gay did, in fact, go 5-for-5 five five on field goals yesterday, including four 50-plus field goals, which is the most in a single game in NFL history. So, uh, yeah, no one's ever done that before. Four 50-yarders, and Matt Gay did it to the Ravens yesterday. On Thursday night, uh, the 49ers, or, well, the 49ers defense so far has caught more deep passes. So a deep pass is defined by next-gen stats as a 20-plus air yard pass. They have caught the defense of the 49ers, has caught more of those than they have allowed. They have two interceptions on deep passes this season. That is pretty remarkable. And the uh, their opponents have completed zero passes Damn. downfield of more than 20 Damn. air yards. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I, I mean, look, it's three games. Like, but still. Yes. Uh, Devon A. Shane and Raheem Mozart are the second pair of teammates in NFL history with four scrimmage touchdowns in the same game. They join these 2004 Kansas City Chiefs. These two players from the Kansas City Chiefs with four, oh, four scrimmage. Priest Holmes? Priest Holmes is one of them. Tony Gonzalez? Not Tony Gonzalez. Another running back? Uh, I've never heard of this guy, so I'm not sure if I should know who he is. I may be oh, good. exposing myself <laughs> that makes that makes, it, that makes it very... Wouldn't be Dwayne Bow, would it? No, but his name, his name is Derek. Derek. He, De- was, a, Dad, he was a running back, yes. Derek. Derek. I don't know. I don't, I don't Derek know. Derek Blaylock. Okay. All right. Derek Blaylock. Of I have vague memories of a Derek Blaylock, but vague. Right. I know this is going to be, you know, in 20 years when we're trying to remember yeah, right. who Devon. Yeah, Devon H-Chain. who? Oh, H-Chain. You say yeah. that. I mean, yeah, who knows? Maybe, he yeah, might no, be good. Maybe A-Chain will be right. something. Uh, but Mozart and A-Chain do that. A-Chain is also the first rookie in NFL history to have at least two rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns in the same game. Devon A-Chain of the Miami Dolphins. One of my leagues sitting on my bench. <laughs> With Adam Thielen. The two of them combined. For 85 is, points. Is this team better than the greatest show on turf? Or um, the the league is different now. It's yeah. hard. To, like I think that what's missing when we talk about the greatest show on turf is that that the NFL wasn't like that. That was they, 2001. That or, was 2000. Yeah, it was the season after the Ravens. Okay. Yes, because they wait. No, it was the year before. before the, so okay. They were still that good. The year they made it back to the Super Bowl that following year and lost to the Patriots in the 01 season. Mm. But the 99 season is yes when they beat the Titans in the Super Bowl. And remember, the year, one year later, the Ravens are the greatest defense in NFL yeah. history. Like, the league was different at the time. It was a running league. And what they did was otherworldly. So I don't know how to compare this in a league that's now all built and predicated on, you know, high scoring. Right. And I don't know how to compare these things. But look, what they're doing is, you know, impressive. pretty, pretty impressive. Watch. <laughs> I think somebody put it out today that, like, the top – five or top six highest speeds that any player offensive players attained this season have all been Miami Dolphins. Wow. It's like Tyreek, Mostert, and A Chain are all on the list. Man. Yeah. Since the two point conversion was adopted in nineteen ninety four, the Raiders are the only NFL team to attempt a field goal inside three minutes left in the fourth quarter when down by exactly eight points, uh, with less than five yards to go for a first down. Or a touchdown if you're on the goal line. Um, this that comes from OptiStats, but yeah, the Raiders are the only team since the two point oh, conversion. Needed, they came needed around. multiple possessions. Yeah, right. Not sure if you heard. They needed. It was a two possession game. They're going to need to get the field goal at some point, Griffin. 
Maybe they wanted to I kick. Mean, I, <laughs> like he's talking about it like it's a ten point. Because like, that's what you say when it's a ten point game, and somebody's like, "Well, why'd you kick the field goal?" You're like, "Well, we're gonna have to get the field goal at some point." So it, we just went ahead and got. It. Was it Collinsworth who kept saying like Carlson had a shaky warm up too? And oh, then, really? Yeah. I, th- I mean, on top of everything else, they were counting on a yeah, kicker that they should to make count. you know to essentially make three field goals in that last, but whatever. And, uh, Patrick Mahomes recorded his twenty second career game with three passing touchdowns and no interceptions. He is tied. For the most among quarterbacks before turning 30 years old, Patrick Mahomes just turned 28, by the way, and he was already tied for the most of these games before turning 30. So can you name, uh, let's do the top six here, uh, of most games by a quarterback before turning 30, three touchdowns and no interceptions. It really could be anybody because, like, it, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I'm assuming that that means it's not Brady because most of his came after 30. Uh, correct. Yeah. yeah, Brady's not on the list. But it could be basically anyone else. Brady had 12 before he turned 30. And how many was the... the uh, Mahomes is tied for first with 22. But how many... What's the what's the bottom end? Oh, uh, the bottom end uh, is... Actually, I'm looking for five more. 15. 15. So that'd be 15. All right. Um, uh, uh, Dan Marino. Dan Marino is on the list. He had 15. He's exactly. on basically every list that exists for quarterbacks. There's very few lists that he wouldn't find himself on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is who Patrick Mahomes is tied with, with 22 before turning 30 years old. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is on the list as well. 17 also such on games. Most of the yeah. lists. I'll say Drew Brees isn't because again he most of his success was after 30. You would be correct. Yeah, he is not on the list. He's in the Brady camp. Uh, 13 for Drew Brees. I'm yeah. looking for three more, you said. You were uh, looking for two more because I two said more. Oh, six, right, because Mahomes is yes. one of them. Got it. Uh, and, and again, the numbers are three touchdowns. Zero interceptions. So it's not, not Favre because he threw too many interceptions. You would be correct. Favre is just outside of my cutoff here. He had 14 games, though. So he didn't have enough. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Rivers. Rivers is not Probably on the Probably threw too list. many interceptions. 11 games for Phillip Rivers with no interceptions and three touchdowns. Uh, Joe Montana. Joe Montana not on the list. Okay. How about... I don't think Kurt Warner played enough, but I'll just throw out Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is a good guess. He's not on the list. I don't think he played enough. Yeah. Yuck. Yuck. This is soured. You ready for a hint or... It's twelve twenty six. Yes, I'm ready for. They're both active. The last two are both both active active quarterbacks. Well, that's weird Mm -hmm. considering. So, so is it possible that Josh Allen? Josh Allen's not not on this list yet. He he has twelve. Josh Allen. That's what I'm saying. It feels too soon for any of the guys that like like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Not Joe Burrow. It feels too soon. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is on this list. He is third. I should have guessed that. More than Peyton Manning. That's on me. 19 games with three touchdowns and no interceptions before turning 30. And the other one is... Very surprising, this one. uh, Well, yeah. Kirk Cousins. Not Kirk Cousins. Close. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. 15 games tied with Dan Marino. How about that? How about that? How about that? All right, uh, do me a favor. There's something that's printed on the uh, printer. Please go grab that if you don't mind. While I tell everybody that Tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. Saturday, October 28th. No, you need that. At the Baltimore County Public Safety Building, 700 East Chopper Road in Towson. The next hiring event, applicants can compete multiple parts. Complete. Not compete. It's not a competition. It's competition against yourself, I guess. Complete multiple parts of the hiring process, including the agility test, the written test, and you can go through the entire application process on the spot. 
members of the specialized units will be in attendance so you can learn more about what it is that your career path might be within the Baltimore County Police Department. 410-887-4584 or join BaltimoreCountyPD.com to find out more. But if you're not interested in joining the Baltimore County Police Department, you should come out anyway because that afternoon is a great family event, a trunk or treat, a very safe, family-friendly trunk or treat event at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson with the Baltimore County Police Department coming up on October 28th. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise this evening. Orioles are off tonight. Monday Night Football, quote-unquote, doubleheader um, instead. So ESPN... It's always difficult for me because it's not actually a doubleheader. Like, you couldn't... That's frustrating. It's frustrating. It and these are actually games that you'd want to watch, unlike last week. Like, uh, ABC has the early game. Eagles-Buccaneers, 7-15. ESPN has the second game. Rams-Bengals starting at 8-15. Diamondbacks-White Sox at 7-30 on MLB. I guess the Diamondbacks are still in it, right? Like, yeah, In fact, they, they still have... They, they hold a wild card spot right I now. I believe the po- are the Padres still alive, too? Uh, mathematically, maybe, but I think they're... It's, yeah, yeah, they need a lot yeah. to go their way. Uh, Fox Sports 1, speaking of the Padres, they take on the Giants at 9.45, uh, some preseason hockey, and Monday Night Raw tonight at 8 on the USA Network. Anything non-sports-wise? Uh, season 24, The Voice is back. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we knew that since we were all watching Sunday Night Football. Hell, yeah, Reba we McIntyre. Reba's back. I, yeah, love, Reba. I do love Reba McIntyre. Uh, first season without Blake Shelton as a judge. <sighs> I mean, it's never going to be the same. It won't be. Yeah. Uh, the Irrational, as well, series premiere. This is Jesse God, Martin. We should have, Je- did you, can you pull up the video of Garrett Bowles? Oh, yeah. I know it's sad, like, uh, but yeah. I can't get over his voice. I like I can't shake it. His He sounds like Scotty McCreary. Like, he sounds like... Josh Turner's, will you go with me? Like, he sounds like Right a, now, what are the emotions like going through your head personally? Shit. <laughs> shit. It's, uh, tired of losing, man. Roll the streets I've been here for good. seven years, and all I've done is lost. And it's frustrating. Could you not dip down the wheel? I mean, like, that seven is... Seven years... I'm like, I mean, like, I feel bad for yeah, him. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. Sad I feel, what he's saying. They just lost by 50 points, and I'm the one that's joking about how deep his voice is. I just never heard Garrett Ball's voice before. <laughs> it blew me away. I'm like, listen to how deep this man's voice is. Anyway, sorry. The uh, voice, anything yeah, else? The voice and the irrational. Writers Big. are back. That's yeah, the part that matters. Back. We'll have content again in a year. Yep. Well, uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess as their It'll shows. Take yeah, It'll whatever. take I don't know how this means for they the actors. They should have shows like they, sh- they, everyone I think had shows in the chamber. Yeah, you know? they so just I didn't want to promote. Yeah, because, because their actors can't talk yeah. about it. So, but I guess well now because the actors are. On but the they start. But I feel like once the writer strike is taken right, care of, that right. means the actor strike probably falls after that. Right. This means that the talk shows will come back with the writer strike. I believe so. So yeah. that's the next domino that falls. But the problem for the talk shows is the actors can't come on to promote there. So like they're gonna have to have musicians on as guests or athletes on as guests or politicians or something like that's that. That's what we really care about. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, but you would think that the actors will be next. All right. Uh, would you? Uh, we got a really cool thing that yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we do. Uh, when we're partnering with Live Casino, if your fantasy team needs help, like a lot of help, maybe you're like me and you're streaming Zach Ertz every week Eek. and Saquon Barkley's hurt and so is Austin Eckler, uh, Pressbox and Live Casino Hotel have the answer. One lucky winner will receive a private fantasy football consultation with Pressbox fantasy football expert Joe Serpico with ongoing help throughout the season, including advice on sits and starts, trades and waiver pickups, 
hookups plus a VIP game day experience at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Sports and Social with a reserve table and $200 in food and beverage credit. To enter, go to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Must be 21 or older to enter. Complete rules available at PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Really cool opportunity. Again, get the PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. All right, thanks today to Jay Feely. Thanks also to Jeremy Kahn, as well as to Steve Johnson. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the oh my God, it's so good. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Anything? We will talk to Joe Serpico tomorrow. We will. That's true. Stuff and things on the program yeah, tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, Superbook Sports, Dorchester County, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Harford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Do we care about the results? I guess go. Go my fantasy team. Or go Rams, right? We should say go Rams. Yeah, I guess we should say go Rams. Yeah, go Rams. Duke sucks.